silent and mute. Welcome to the Man Up God's Way podcast, a show that dives into the real, raw, and relevant issues for men in their faith, life, and community. Now, your host, Jody Birkin. All right, guys, here we are again on another Monday night on Man Up Monday podcast, and uh, I am your host, Jody Birkin. I'm excited to be here tonight. I've got a special guest that I'll introduce here in just a second, but uh, man, we are uh, moving and grooving. Uh, the podcast is uh, blowing up the charts, and we thank you all for uh, taking the opportunity to listen to us. If you can, if you would, share this on your your feed. Um, let everybody know about Man Up Podcast, uh, Man Up Monday Podcast, and Man Up God's Way, and take an opportunity just to, to share this, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, make sure that you sh- subscribe to our channels as well so you can catch these every Monday night. And we are praying about doing a Thursday Theological Thursday. I think that's what I'm going to call it. How's that sound? That sound good? All right. I got my co-host Ben Neely in the background here today. How you doing, Ben? Doing good. I'm glad you're here. Glad to be here. Good. Man, you're looking good. Trying. You you lost a ton of weight. Yeah, I got got 40 to go, though, so I'm not where I need to be. Yeah, but you got 40 off, right? Yeah. Holy cow, dude. You look good. It's getting warm enough now I can exercise, too, so that'll help. Okay. I was just doing a fair-weather exercise guy. Yeah, fair weather. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. I'm just no exercise. That's my problem. <laughs> I just don't like exercise. <laughs> well, good, yeah. man. You're looking good. I was looking Thank at uh, our very first podcast. I think I sent you the picture of, yeah. of you over there. Holy cow. You've lost a ton of weight just since then. Yeah, it's been like, I think it's like 27 pounds, and it was 16 pounds before that. So That's it's like awesome. 43 total. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Fergosa, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. I went to switch the camera. I'm on camera today. Oh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Guys upgraded me. Put Ben next to me. Say cheese. We're doing good. (laughs) That's awesome. I'm classing up the back today. Yes, you are. Yeah, we uh, we got a special guest here, so we want to give her as much uh, room as we possibly could. How's the uh, album going? It's going good, man. I've been pushing uh, hard for two weeks, feeling like I'm bugging everybody online just posting about it, but I love it, man. it's going good, so yeah. we're getting some uh, we're getting some traction, and uh, I'm really gonna start hitting it hard here in the next month. Are you okay? So what's what's hitting hard? What are you talking about hitting hard? Um, so unfortunately, it just takes a lot of money to you know market stuff, and so I uh, have one of those trees in my backyard. <laughs> Don't you yeah, have that? Yeah, we're gonna have to get one. Yeah. Um, so just you know some uh, some paid ads. Uh, Got to shoot a music video for it. That's gonna cost some money and. You know, it's, uh, it's almost pointless doing a song without a music video nowadays. Okay. So. Yeah. I want to play it. Here, hold on just yeah, one second. Uh, let me give you another plug there. here. You got to listen to this song. This is good right here. So, guys, this is uh, for Goza, and the song is called Drunk. I get drunk to get less lonely. A little more sad. That's it. <laughs> that's all that's you it. Got. That's all I got. You gave me the. Uh, I got the wrong one there, no, but that's I, that's one of my. I, I jam that song all the time. Uh, I hope you're getting paid on the Spotify stuff. Oh man, Spotify's pretty rough. Oh, are they okay? They, yeah, it's about a penny, uh, half a penny a play or all something right. like that. But uh, you know, 
to get the music out there. And uh, I have got, this is actually one of the most encouraging things and the reason why I write. I had a lady reach out to me and said, hey, uh, I heard your song. It moved me. I needed to hear it to keep going. That's awesome, dude. Okay, perfect. That's, you know, that's the only reason I write, so... Let's go here. Good. No, it's hard to sleep. It's hard to dream. It's hard to breathe. I love that song. That's so when good. I, drunk, I see me on the piano singing it. I can't <laughs> sing a lick, you know. All right, folks, that's Fragoza and his new song, Drunk. Go get it today. It's uh, on all the channels that you can possibly get it on. It's good stuff. Appreciate so, the love, brother. Man, I, I, I'm proud of you. That's good. Uh, good to have you and be able to promote that stuff. What's up, Mr. Rusty? Doing good. I'm gonna lean way over here. There you go. That's. Yeah, I guess it. I get it in the picture. There you go. Glad you're <laughs> here, man. Good. How are you? Good. I'm glad you're here, dude. Good. Good. Rusty will be back there doing all of our common commentating on our uh, Facebook pages as well as our YouTube. So if you guys have a question tonight, as we talk to our special guest here in just a moment, please feel free to ask. Again, share it um, and. In order for us to pay for this podcast, we're uh, going to promote just a few things right here. This is my favorite coffee in the world right here. It's the Man Up Coffee. You can get this on manupmerch.com. It is extremely good. And uh, got a mug here to go along with it, as well as this one right here. So make sure you get it, as well as some cool T-shirts and hats. So uh, that's how we pay for this podcast. And you get to look cool while, while you're doing it, too. So I appreciate that. Quick news, we've got our app coming out in about two weeks. The new Man Up God's Way app is going to be a community app where we are going to be able to get together much like Facebook, but better than Facebook because nobody is going to um, take our stuff down from there. So it's uh, really exciting to be on iTunes as well as Google Play coming up here in the next two weeks. We'll be watching for that, and we're going to launch that as soon as possible. Next uh, Monday, we've got Emil Moore from the Dream uh, Troy Dream Center in uh, Troy, Missouri. It is a faith-based uh, recovery center. One of the things that it's really, man, it just gets my heart every time. I love dealing with um, recovery people, addicts. It seems like God sends those to me all the time, and so I have the opportunity to deal with quite a few um, in my ministry, and I'm excited to talk to these guys and see how Man Up can come along inside of them, help them. So that's going to be a good podcast. Good stuff. Yeah, it is. I love talking about, you know, just I love seeing stories of people going from just what we would think would be rock bottom, which typically is rock bottom, to a place where they're praising Jesus and uh, just loving on him again. So I'm excited about that. So make sure you check us out next week, Monday, 8 o'clock, every single Monday. Central time, by the way. So I'm excited tonight. Um, we have something special tonight. We have a special guest here, uh, Jess Clark, who is uh, here in the studios. Jess, how are you doing tonight? Oh, man, I'm doing good tonight. <laughs> I'm doing good every night. I can't even lie. That's great. Life is good. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. So why this is so special is because Jess in our community is actually running for the school board, uh, the Rockwood School Board. Uh, this, uh, as a matter of fact, the vote is tomorrow. tomorrow. So you've done all your campaigning, correct? I have. Okay. I have. This is this is the last stop. This for is me. the last this stop. Okay. Yeah, so we'll make it good. We want all of our uh, folks in the St. Louis area to make sure that you share this podcast um, and this and the live feed right now, so people can hear her story. We're going to talk a lot about her story what her passion is, why her, you know, why she wanted to get into um, 
I guess what we call it politics, the right. politics of the school system, maybe. Yeah. As much as we don't like the fact that it is politics, <laughs> it is. Unfortunately, it is. I wish it was just educating our children, but unfortunately, it's become a, a, a political stance as well, correct? Correct. Okay, yeah. so uh, I'm really excited about that. Um, we've got a, a couple of people that we're, you know, really pushing for, um, not only you, but Izzy, are you guys running against each other or no, you guys, okay, we are not, we are hand in hand. We're hoping to fill the two seats. There are two seats this year and there are five people on the ballot. So, you know, just a reminder, we are number three and four on the ballot and that's okay. who we want to vote for. All right. So tomorrow's vote, um, in the Rockwood school district in the St. Louis area is, uh, three and four. Jess Clark and Izzy, and what's her last name? Izzy Emick. Izzy Emick, okay. Uh, some folks that we want on the school board. And we're going to talk about why we need uh, this kind of voice on the school board here in just a minute. But uh, Jess, I, I've been, you know, I've got some friends who just love you to death. Uh, Miss Lindsay, who is uh, your biggest cheerleader, I think, <laughs> uh, out in the out in the community right now, uh, loves you to death. Matter of fact, I saw her today, and she just ranted and raved about you again, and uh, couldn't wait till we got you on here. But um, what I what I want to hear first is really your story. Um, I've I read a little bit on the website. I heard some from Lindsay, and I'm very intrigued about um, where you came from and where you came from to how you got here. Won't you? Uh, won't you start with the? Uh, uh, we're we gonna, we gonna start young. Let's start. We're gonna start young. Okay. So, I grew up, born and raised in St. Louis, in the city, in West St. Louis, if anybody is familiar, like near Del Mar and Kings Highway on a street called Cabinet. Um, I grew up with my great grandparents. So, I got to my great grandparents' house when I was six weeks. My sister was five, my brother was three. Wow. My great grandparents were 67 and 77. Okay. Raising three kids under Holy five. Cow. Um, my mother spent 17 years in prison okay my father 10 years in prison on and off so that's how we ended up with my grandparents and i actually recently just heard some of the some more about the story um i recently found out that my father that i call my father who i talk to often is not my father um okay. i have a different dad than my siblings and i actually was put up for adoption originally um because my dad was an alcoholic and he was abusive to her and oh, so wow. she didn't want me to be in that environment because you know it's like i don't want you to suffer under the hand of a man that's not your father put me up for an adopt uh, up for adoption okay. i had drugs in my system so the adoption didn't go through they didn't want me okay. um so that's how i ended up with my grandparents with my siblings so is this how your mom and dad the da the guy you call dad um are they how is that how they ended up in prison uh, with drugs? no okay. no my mother ended up in prison um i think the initial charge was armed robbery so she had a couple of armed okay. robbery charges and then so she got to the prison in kenlock they were about to take her to wherever they were taking her um she was she ended up having sex with one of the security guards and escaping Oh, so wow. she, got, <laughs> she got more time for that. So she ended up with 17 years in the Tillicothe prison. Okay. Um, she got home about mm, nine years ago. Okay. She drunk herself to death about a, a year ago. No kidding. Yep, uh, yep, yep, yep. So we'll get that. we'll get into that okay. story later because there there's a whole story in there about forgiveness. Okay. About Amen. the journey yeah. of forgiving her. Um, and, you know, the process of going through that and how much that freed me okay. and how that kind of built me into who I am today. Um, so growing up was interesting. My Again, my sister was five. Okay. So she suffered more than any of us. And this mm. is this is all in retrospect. 
because growing up she was physically abusive to us and my my grandparents. She would okay. you know she would pull out knives. She would beat us up. I would go to school with black eyes, but she was also sexually abusive to me. Okay, um, which I'm just now coming to grips with the fact that that was incest. I was reading a book about trauma, and they were talking about right. incest, and you don't think about that as like you know girl on girl. It's like right. no, that's not you know. It was. And yeah. so, you know, again, there was a forgiveness process with her because as a kid, it's like, I hate this girl. She's beating us up. She's doing all these strange things. This is weird. Um, but then I had to step back and say, you were five. Like the amount of trauma you had your right. parents taken away. You got put into this new environment. Um, so she was abusive to us and the teachers at school. Like she right. would go to school and beat up the teacher. So there was a lot of trauma growing up. The cops were always at our house, um, you know. There was trauma for me that I didn't realize I would go to school. Nobody knew my parents were in prison. Um, I always had this thing about me of wanting to be different. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, I went to public school. Right. Everybody had trauma, and I didn't realize it. But it's like, I don't want anybody to know. And if your life is a mess, then we're not the same, and I don't want you to be near me. I had this, like, superiority complex as a kid. It was very strange. <laughs> so I would make up these stories. Like my my mother had this elaborate personality. I would talk about how she said certain words. You know, we lived on a private street in the Central West End, which was not true. So <laughs> I had this whole imaginary life. And, you know, again, later on in life, I struggled with my identity because, again, right. I never accepted who I was because I didn't know who I was. Do you think that was your way of just, you know, sweeping everything under the carpet? Yes, yeah, that was When me. you look back at it now. That was me yeah. coping. That yeah. was me trying, you know, that's, that's not things that we talk about. And my grandmother hid a lot of things and she made, which I didn't realize right. again until later. She wanted everything to look perfect instead of actually dealing with the situation that we had. It's like, right. oh, no, if we just sweep it under the rug and nobody sees it then maybe it'll go away and nobody will know now was your older sister was she sexually abused too more than likely yeah more she's than never likely. said okay she never she never said okay. and um i've never mentioned it to okay. her that you know because it came back as a memory and i had to call a cousin that i remember being a part of it saying do you remember that or am i am i tripping and she's like no that happened oh wow um, okay but i don't think she's ready to deal with that you know you you have to allow people she has to live with that she knows i'm sure she she has her own trauma that she's still dealing with and for me to try to bring that up for what reason that right. won't help her i've already dealt with it myself and right. I, I love her the best way that i can because i understand understand that you, you were neglected for sure probably you know molested who knows mm -hmm. but you are a product of your environment you, right. you weren't born that way you were created and right. so um again Forgiveness, just yeah. having Amen. empathy, learning, learning to understand. How did you become this way? How right. did you know? So yeah, there was there was trauma. She she lost her parents. I didn't have you. When you look at so you know she was there five years old. My brother was three. He has a lot more chaos in his life than I do. She has the most. He's in the middle. And I really you know I str I had my own struggles, but it was nothing compared to the things that they dealt with. So you know that's why I'm so passionate about being a parent because I know what that looks like. I right. know what it means to not have, you know, active parents there. I know what it means to not have somebody loving you and validating you. So I, I see that with my siblings. And so I fight for my kids now. Um, so, okay. The trauma with, with my sister, that was one thing, but she was also very sexually active. So I was exposed to a okay. lot and so, which created, you know, misinformation in me. It's like, that's what you're supposed to do. Right. Um, so 15 pregnant, pregnant by a 21 year old man. Had okay. no business doing that. But again, my grandfather was, he was a great man, the kindest man. He was, you know, graduated from Howard University, okay. taught in the public schools. But 
he was old. Like he right. again, he was <laughs> he was seventy seven when I was six weeks old. So as I was growing up, and I needed I needed male validation. Mm-hmm. I needed my grandfather. I need somebody to be there. I didn't really have that. My grandmother right. was always there trying to you know make sure he had a lot of health problems. So of course, when you don't get validated in the home. You go to the streets. Right. So that was me, 15, pregnant um, by this 21-year-old man, ended up getting an abortion. That was That's what my grandmother thought was the best thing to do. You you know, you can't raise this baby. Mm. I'm not going to help you. Your grandfather's dying. I'm trying to raise you. We're just not doing that. And this, I was in, um, I was in Lutheran school. Okay. You know? So, right. yeah, so it was just crazy. And even thinking about Lutheran school, I was a member of a Lutheran church. I was babysitting. So, I mean, I've been in church most of my life, my right. my so my great grandmother raised me, but my grandmother also lived with us. Okay, um, she was big in the church. She was a church hopper. She went to whoever's church was feeding her the most. Right. She didn't really. <laughs> she, she was, you know. So my relationship with church has always been strange because I know she just went because she it was a social club and she right. wanted to eat. Um, and she would take us to these strange churches where they like screaming and throwing themselves on the floor. It was very <laughs> traumatizing. I just didn't understand it. Um, but we ended up going to a Lutheran church because my piano teacher was Lutheran. Um, and I, d- I love Lutheran church. I would read the scripture. I would play the piano. It was it was great. And I ended up with a babysitting job from the only white couple in the congregation. Okay. This is a Lutheran church in North St. Louis on like West Florissant, like in the middle of the hood. <laughs> I don't know how they wandered, how they wandered over to, <laughs> to the north side. But um, I ended up babysitting for this couple. Great couple. I mean, they... They lived in Sular. I had a beautiful mm-hmm. house. It was just, it was amazing. I was like, this is a different world than, you know, going to public school. Nobody have talked about babysitting or, you know, having a babysitter, being a babysitter. So it was, it was interesting. But that turned into something very inappropriate. This mm-hmm. guy started, you know, he would teach me to drive. And I, you know, you're young and naive. Right. We're driving a stick, so he put his hand on mine. I thought, okay, you know, you got to show me how to do this. Right. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. But he would bring up a song. Oh, this song about this woman named Jessica it reminds me of you. Okay, I don't know the song but that's great right. i'm gonna pick you up early and I'm, my wife's not coming it just, it just got really weird and, and then it went too far where he wanted to pay me for sex mm. so that was another you know notch in a belt where it's like but you go to church right like this is right. kind of strange so um you know again all this over sexualization all this yep. nobody around to protect me um Still with the guy that's super abusive, may I add. This 21-year-old man, of course, has a power dynamic. Yeah, totally, yeah. Power dynamic. 21 to 15, yeah, yes, exactly. Yes, so, you know, emotional abuse, physical abuse, all kinds of abuse. I um, had an abortion, ended up pregnant again at 17, and that is my 14-year-old daughter Kay. that I have now. Amen. Um, yes, she is. She is. She is. She is the best thing about me. Like that's she, great. She changed the game in my life. Um, so here I am, 17. What do you do? What do you do at 17? Um, I ended up dropping out of school so I can work. Um, I went back to school, got my um, diploma. Mm -hmm. I went back to school because I was living with him and his parents. I would work 40 hours a week. I would do, um, like, it was like an alternative school. And he would take my whole check. And I'm like, wait, I could be at my grandmother's house and and at least keep my money. So I left and went back to school. um, And... It was just, it was a very, it was a very rough time. Um, there was one moment where I'd finally said enough is enough. I'm tired of getting abused. Um, and he was like, okay, I'm going to let you go. All right, cool. Calls me up one day and puts on this like sad story. It's Father's Day. I want to see my daughter. Mm. I'm like, all right, 
fine. Like I'm not gonna deny you that because right. again, I didn't have a father. It, you know, I don't I don't want to do that to my daughter. So he's like, okay, meet me at a hotel. I'm like, all right, it's kind of strange, but whatever. We get there, we're hanging out. You know, the usual. We're drinking the whole the whole night. My daughter's probably less than two years old, maybe about to be two, and maybe she's about to be one. Um, he keeps drinking. Eventually, he like goes to the door, puts like the latch on, and was like. You're not leaving. Oh, no. I'm like, all right. He's like, no. You you think you're not going to be with me. You're going to be with me or you're going to die. This man beat me up for two days straight in front of my daughter. Okay. Threatened to kill her. He would take her to the sink and say, I'm going to throw this radio in her and I'm going to kill her. And eventually, after like a day and a half, it, he just snapped out of it. And wow. was just like, you can leave. And she's screaming. It was just, it was horrible. I got home from that. I think I called a cab, got home. Um, and my family, I told them what happened, and they said, I told you so. This is your fault. How could you let him do this? How could mm. you stay there and let him do this? And so when the police came, I felt so defeated and bad, and and it was just no support that I lied, because I'm like, right. oh, you are stupid. How did you stay there? You, have to, you can't tell these people that you just were there. You have to. So I lied. I was like, oh, he had a gun. Because that just made me feel good. So the case ended up getting dropped because it turns out he didn't, have, didn't a have a gun. So right. now I was discredited. He walks free. But in the midst of that, this is a weird story. So when I got but you're home, 17. It's not like 17. You, yeah, it's not like you yeah, know I what to no say idea. or how to say. Yeah, and easily, like, easily influenced. Yeah, yeah I don't want to be the dumb girl who just let this man. You know, in, in, my, in that moment, it's like, I don't want my kid to die. This right. man is crazy. He's going to kill us. Like, right. I have to stay or somebody's going to die. But that didn't seem valid. My family didn't make that seem like it was right. a valid excuse. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess we got to lie. <laughs> uh, but when I got home, it just so happened my mother was calling from prison. And <laughs> my grandmother told her what happened. And I'm telling you, within four hours, there was some old, short, white guy at my door with two other white guys with him with guns. Like, you need to tell me where this guy is. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it. This man had just done horrible things to me, and that was like the tip of the iceberg. He, he'd done way more wow. stuff in between that, but there was something that wouldn't allow. He could have been gone just like that. He would. So had, had, you, had you had a relationship with your mom? My my aunt used to between take us to time? see okay. her so every now and then. So your yeah. relationship was between glass. Yes. Well, I mean, not really, not glass. When we go up there, we oh, got you to got see. see okay. Yeah, we got All to right. see her. But it was really phone calls, and she would write letters. She would send us gifts. She, you know, I didn't, I didn't notice it when I was younger, but she would have people come over and drop us off money and toys, okay. and she made sure we were good. Mm. Um, so it was it was just by divine intervention that she had called. In that moment, I mean, I wouldn't have asked her to make that guy come up there, right, but yeah. <laughs> um, so here he is at the door, and he's just like, "You got to tell me where he is. Your mom wants him gone." And I'm just like, "I can't do that." And again, that's more people saying you're right. stupid, you, you know. But I, 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 even though this person was horrible, I'd gotten to know his story so much that it's like I know why you are the way that you are. Your parents were abusive. They were abusive mm -hmm. to each other. You lost a daughter when you were 16. You didn't deal with the trauma. You dealt with poverty. You dealt with all these different things. And I don't excuse what you did, but I get it. Right. You're a product of your environment. You're loving me the way that your parents loved each other. Right. You think that's normal. So it's like I didn't hate him. And it's, I, don't want you, I don't want you dead. So um, 
He's like, all right, you don't want to give it to me, whatever. Your mom wants me to go, wants me to take you to Kansas City. I go to Kansas City for probably a month because I was dealing with some PTSD. Mm-hmm. I was scared to leave the house. Right. I, didn't wanna, I didn't know what to do. Um, you know, I wanted my daughter to be okay. Go up there. He takes me to these colleges, <laughs> and he's like, you can come live with me. I'm like, good. He's like, you can go to nursing school. I'll pay for it. You're good. Your mom wants you good. Cool. So this guy that just out of the blue just shows up, blue. he's yeah. going to take care of you. Yeah, okay. my mom would always talk about him and stuff, and so I was familiar with his name. He would always bring us gifts and stuff from mm-hmm. Kansas City. Um, he's like, all right. So I stayed for a month. He brought me home. And it's like, pack your stuff. I'll be back in three days. He never showed up. I'm like, all right. My mom's angry. And it turns out he was a cross-dresser. And he didn't want me to live with him because he didn't want my mom to find out that he was this a cross-dresser. Cross <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is ghetto. Like, And I'm only 17. <laughs> like, what is happening? So we need to get a movie script for, yeah, yeah, for I, her. I'm writing right now, bro. Man. Holy cow. No yeah, kidding. Yeah, and so even I got to see him. Um, he came here for my mom's memorial, and I got to talk to him about his story and the abuse that he suffered mm. and his relationship with his mother. And I think it was the uncle that was abusing him and, you know, the, the bad relationship between the mom because she would drop him off. Again, a single mom. Right. She, she had to go to work. And she's knowingly dropping him off with a pedophile, but she has to go to work. And so, you know, there's resentment between him and the mom and the uncle. And it's just like everybody. That is how I'm able to forgive and just love people. Because it's like you're really just a product of your environment. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. You Mm -hmm. don't just wake up and be like, I'm going to wear girls clothes. Like, it's just like, no, there's there's something that caused that. So, yeah, he, he ended up, you know, eventually coming out and saying that. And I'm like, okay, I get that. And. I guess I'm just here and have to figure it out. (laughs) So, so you don't go to Kansas City. Okay, so you're sitting there waiting. He never shows up. You know, years later, you find out why. So, what what happened from there? Um, I went to the welfare office because now I got I got this baby. I got this kid. I need some daycare. I need I need the things because I gotta I gotta get it together. And this story. I have to laugh in retrospect because I tell this story now when it when it talks about um, politics and policy and things like that. So going into the welfare office as a 17 year old mom, I sat next to a couple and they were a black couple working on their master's degrees. It just had a baby and they're like, you know, we just need, we need a little extra help. We, you know, being a student doesn't pay. Now we have this baby. We, we, it was unexpected. I'm like, okay, that's great. Like I, it, if, it didn't feel horrible to be in a welfare office sitting next to them. Right. I remember the woman walking out crying, and I didn't know why, because I went back there, and they gave me everything I wanted, you know, food stamps and health care and daycare and everything. I'm like, this is nice. Right. So fast forward five years later, I'm married. I met this amazing man on the side of the highway. I got lost coming from North County, trying to get to South City, and I don't know how I ended up in Illinois. <laughs> And so this, this, I pulled over because I don't think I had GPS at the time. Mm. And this black cowboy hops out to help me <laughs> get back to where I was going. I was like, is this, am I being punked? <laughs> like, what? I mean, this is a black dude with a cowboy hat on, cowboy boots, a four wheel on the back of his truck, a dog hanging out the window. I was like, this is insane. <laughs> um, so he tells me how to get back. We exchanged numbers and, you know, eventually, I mean, he really helped in my healing. Like right. he loved me in a way that I didn't love myself. He really helped me a lot. Um, so five years later, you know, we're married. We just had a baby. He lost everything because he got leukemia. Oh no! <laughs> got leukemia. Wow. <laughs> got leukemia. Um, I mean, what? We're 
we're, I'm 21 You're 22, at this point. Yeah, yeah, 21, yeah, 22. Yeah, yeah. Holy so cow. Here we go. Um, but he did. He made it through leukemia. His um, oncologist said, you're my only patient that didn't either die or have a bone marrow transplant. I don't know what you're doing, but keeping it, keep it up. It was faith. Right. He used to say, I don't have what they say I have. I know the tests say that I have that. I don't have that. He used to walk around the hospital and like, pray for people it's That's like look at awesome. look at all these sick people right. like not me then <laughs> like so he would he would go through and he's like i don't i don't have that i'm not claiming it we didn't do research about it it's just like no this is gonna go away that's awesome um so so in the middle of that he ended up getting on disability we got this new baby so we're like okay we'll go and get some assistance that's what it's there for we can go back to school get some degrees we were in class together at st louis community college it was great we get there, and the lady is going through the numbers, and she's like, oh, you pay $800 for rent? I was like, yeah, that's in South City. Like, we still mm-hmm. hear gunshots. We live on a state street. We just don't want to live on the north side. Like, you know. She's like, and none of you, neither one of you work, and you're, you're both going to school. And not, she, she said, who do you think you are? Oh, wow. And I was like, what? I'm sitting there with my head high. I got a right. husband. Yeah. This is, look at me. Just doing my thing. You know, we're, we got our kids in grade schools. My um, Both my daughters speak Mandarin. They're, mm. you know, fluent in Chinese. So we put them in a charter school so they right. can learn learn a second language. I'm like, I got these people are going to love me. They're going to give me everything I wanted. Mm-mm. I think they gave us like $16 of food stamps. Like, you know, they want to give us daycare, anything, nothing. So I'm like, wait a minute. This is not set up for me to win. Because yeah. when I was single, they gave me everything. Right. You guys are incentivizing bad behavior, yeah, irresponsibility. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was a, a, a crazy liberal Democrat, and I was like, this has to be the other side. This has to be the other side because right. they're racist. I mean, I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I am a recovering liberal. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, I was deep in it. That's, that's just what you do. We, we right. never talked about policy. We never talked about politics or anything you go when you vote you vote democrat regardless regardless of you know if it's helping or hurting yeah you just do it so yeah my my we're originally from kentucky and my grandmother granddad great grand everybody was a democrat they didn't care who was everybody was still thinking they were voting for kennedy Mm -hmm. you know like yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. so you know there was there were there was always things that i thought were wrong Right. My sister has been on Section 8 her entire life, you know, hardly worked jobs, never never really had to take care of my niece and nephew. She just kind of, you know, did whatever she wanted to mm-hmm. because the government was paying for it. So I knew that the system was flawed. So um, fast forward, my ex-husband and I ended up getting divorced, and um, I'm back. I'm back to dating. I'm back. It was very... It was very ghetto. I do not recommend it, okay? <laughs> I don't recommend it. Um, but that was, I will say... Um, it was necessary. The woman that I am today was because I left their marriage. My ex-husband was great. He, right. he really was. He was a sweetheart. He did lose, I think, pieces of himself with the cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, he lost his motivation to work. He lost his motivation to do anything. He kind of just wanted to stay. He was so afraid. He was living in fear. Like, I don't want to do anything that takes me away from the kids. And I right. got it. Like, I, I empathize with that because, you know, I've never right. been. I've never been the actual patient. Right. So, you know, I tried to love on him the best way that I could, but the kids still needed. It was like the boat was sinking and one of us had to jump off to go, you know, save us. And so I had to I had to leave to make sure that I was still because we were I mean, lights were getting cut off. The bills weren't paid. We were riding. I was riding the the bi state bus, getting dropping the kids off at that car, going to school, going to work. I was like, wait, this doesn't make sense because this man had potential. He could be, I mean, he was running a trucking company at one point. I'm like, I see it, and I, you, you've lost it, and I'm tr- I want to help. I want to be there. Right. Um, yeah, so going out into the dating world, 
Oh, it was ghetto. So I was attracting all these like worthless men. Like the first <laughs> guy I dated ended up being like a meth addict. Right. And I didn't know. And he was black. I didn't even know black people smoke meth. Let me just say that. But <laughs> it was, I was like, whoa. But I, it was you just it say w- rednecks with no teeth. That, smoke, that's smoke what, that's the, yeah. yeah, that's that's what you think. But clearly not. Like that is a universal <laughs> drug, I guess. But. You know, but I kept getting all these low quality men. I'm like, Jess, like you are the common denominator. It's you. Mm. It's you. It's you don't value yourself. You don't think you're good enough to attract any other any other person. Mm. Who do you have to be? Who do you have to become? How do you what do you have to do to feel comfortable enough to sit across from somebody else right. that is doing something bigger, that may be doing life bigger than you? And so I started doing a lot of investing in myself. I mean, I started yoga and podcast you know listening right. to podcasts reading a bunch of books i went back to school working on my accounting degree it was just like yeah I'm, I'm that girl like right. now i can do it i can hold my own so um i met my current partner and when we started talking about blending our families um you know we would i would come over i mean this is my conversion story from one side of the political spectrum to the next and really kind of leading into how i got passionate about or an understanding what's well, happening right. in right. the schools. so um, he would talk about Donald Trump, and I would roll my eyes because, again, like, this man, the media told me he was racist. He's a, right. he ha- he's a racist. Like, don't talk to me about him. Just right. don't do it. So he would let it go. And <laughs> he would put on, like, The Apprentice, and Trump will be there being witty. And, you know, I'm like, oh, that was funny, but I'm not going to laugh because I don't want to be a racist. <laughs> and eventually I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I'm starting to like this dude. I'm starting to like, you know, the wittiness. Right. I'm starting to like the business deals. This is very interesting, but I can't. I was having this cognitive dissonance. I can't hold these two ideas. These are right. opposing ideas. You either are funny, witty, smart, and brilliant in the things that you do, or you're racist. Yeah, race, right. So I'm like, all right, Jess, you got you to gotta choose. So I'm like, all right, let me play with the idea that he's not. And so I started doing a bunch of research on, you know, both sides of the spectrum, what both sides are saying. And I'm like, hold on. They just did a major smear campaign on this man. They right. took all these things out of context. Like when I started looking at the economy, I was like, I got the best job of my life during the Trump presidency. I didn't have a degree. I'm sitting up in Bank of America as an operations analyst in the global wealth and investment management department. I don't know how that happened. Right. So I'm like, okay, they're lying to me. Like they're they're not telling me the truth. Then I, I read Candace Owens' book, Blackout. Mm-hmm. She gave me the language I needed. She's like, oh, no, honey, all those policies <laughs> you think that are hurting your community, right. that's from your people. Right. They're doing that. And so that gave me the language. That opened my eyes, and I'm like, man, more people need mm-hmm. to hear this. More people need to be active in politics. More people need to understand who's doing what and how the narrative mm-hmm. is being played and how they're manipulating big communities of people just to get a vote and how that's harming us right. and how, you know, playing a victim is not getting us anywhere. And so I'm just like, I got to tell everybody little did I know everybody didn't want to hear that. Everybody didn't want to. I thought people were going to be like, Oh man, this is Something great. Mi- right. Exactly. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, um, as I started getting more into, you know, the whole political spectrum, um, Get kids were starting at Rockwood, mm-hmm. and my neighbor sent me a email of an email that was leaked in the Rockwood School District talking about you guys need to hide. Don't the te- yeah, the parents are not they don't they're not crazy. happy with what we're teaching. Don't stop teaching it. Right. Just don't show Just them. It. Yeah. It's like whoa. If that was my child, and every time I walk past, she hit her phone. I'm taking that phone and I want to see what's in it because right. you're hiding something for a reason. So that got me to digging in a district and. Lo and behold, they're like, oh, yeah, critical race theory. I was like, what's that? 
interesting. Starting to understand what it was, I'm like, wait a minute. I got a blended family. Blended by blood and blended by race. Right. What does dinner time look like? Do we sit? Okay. Mm -hmm. To my white daughters, you need to apologize to your black sisters because you might not have known it, but you are an oppressor. (laughs) Exactly. You're oppressing them. So we have the same issue. I've got (laughs) I've got black kids, and um, you know we're trying to raise them in a in a way that you know lets them understand that the there is a history where we screwed up royally, and there is um, still today some racism within our culture. Um, but you're going to have to grow up past that to an extent where you are man and woman. They're, they're twins, uh, boy-girl twins, and where you're a man and a woman that uh, is a man and a woman based on your character, not your color. Yes. And um, that critical race theory scared me to death because I've, I've got a 19 and a 21-year-old um, that are white kids, mm-hmm. and um, all four of my kids have been adopted. And so... Um, that to me, I actually came to your, um, presentation of the critical race theory that they had at, uh, the farm. I can't think of the name of the farm, what that Brookdale. was. Brookdale. Brookdale. Exactly. Yeah. Brookdale. Yeah. yeah Brookdale. And, um, you know, that was, that started opening our eyes to what was really going on in yeah. the school system. And I think, um, you know, COVID helped us substantially, yes. uh, because it opened up the school system via zoom to the rest of the world, like yes. not just the Rockwood school system, but the school system around the United States and parents were actually able to see what was going on mm-hmm. in the school rooms. They were able to hear the teachers. They were able to see the, you know, cause most of the parents were doing the school, the zoom stuff because kids didn't know how to do that. No. And most, most adults didn't know how to do that. <laughs> right, you know, yeah, so it was, it was a weird dichotomy in the world at that time when they shut everything down. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, you're schooling within your home and you're hearing the indoctrination that's going on. Yes. And I remember, uh, that email that went out as well, um, about hiding stuff like, who is a parent or who is a teacher to tell me as a parent and my kids, especially to hide something from me That's it. like they, That's they it. don't have the authority to do that. No, no, we're not going to stand for it. No. So that, that, you know, especially Brent being new to the party, like you couldn't talk to me about politics at all two years ago. Like, I don't want to hear about it, right. but having my, I w- it came at the right time. I was so fired up about you know, everything. And then you put that on top. I'm like, y'all never going to stop me now. <laughs> like, I'm fired up. So, again, started, um, you know, going around the state with Missouri Prosper talking about critical race theory mm-hmm. and how it shows up because they're hiding it. They're hiding right. it as diversity, equity, and inclusion. And they do it masterfully because nobody wants to fight against diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's like, oh, you're right. against diversity? What kind of monster are you? Right. You don't want to include people? You're a monster. Right. So they, they do it in a way to where it's hard to fight it. But when you dig deep enough you mm-hmm. see it's like no we gotta fight this you're not why do you have your teachers doing professional development on whiteness right and, that, oppression and that's majors? not equality that's actually that's it's actually racism. lowering somebody else to elevate somebody that's yes. not that's not what the definition of equality is. no but they don't right. care about equality right. they want they want equity they want everybody to end up at the same place which you don't see that in any species on the planet right that's unrealistic you'll never see that so it's right. just like what what are we doing and we don't deal with the other issues it's like the schools want to be the social workers they want to be the parents they want to be everything you can't do that your job is to teach mm-hmm. them give them a solid foundation academics is the, the gateway to freedom 
You want to help the right. minority children? Make sure they can read. Right. Make sure they can do math. Make sure they can think critically. Not not this crap that they're doing now. You and the the problem is, you know, you're giving them a way out. Mm-hmm. Kids want an excuse anyway. That's right. just natural. It's like, oh yeah, right. I didn't do my homework because my dog ate it. So we have the same issue in the church mm. um, with parents who will bring their children to Sunday school or youth group and expect the church. And, and, and you got to realize the church only has children. If they came every Sunday or every week, that would be 52 hours. And they expect their children to learn a godly, to learn about Jesus, to learn about the Bible, to learn about how to be, you know, live a, a great godly life. And yet they don't teach them at home. Right. And that's impossible to and we're losing kids at a rate of at the age of 18 of 82 percent are leaving the church. Wow. So we're only keeping 12 percent of those children. And most of those 12 percent saw the the life being lived at home. Mom and dad, in most mm-hmm. cases, uh, not saying mom and dad's. I do believe mom and dad's are the way that to do it. And I know that it can yeah. be done other ways. But when you put the godly context in a parenting world, uh, and the parents actually do what they are learning at church at home, it sticks. Yes. And what has happened in the school system is we've walked, you know, let our kids get on the bus, go to school, and we've forgotten about them for eight hours. Mm-hmm. And then when they, and they've, you think about the school system, the school system has them as long, if not more, than a parent does. Absolutely. And so what's happening is the school is then indoctrinating them to whatever they want in most cases, especially depending on the grade. And then the parent is not doing anything but other, other than making sure they get their homework done. That's it. And, it's, and they're it's not, they're not involved. Right. Yes. And it has to be a collaboration. It has right. to be a partnership. We don't want to talk about that because especially when you talk about the minority population, when yep. you start digging into single parenthood and not mm-hmm. having fathers in a home, when right. you start talking about the welfare state, when you start talking about culture, right. Then all of a sudden you racist. Yeah, but exactly. That you, we are the. I am the product of my environment. My sister is a product of her environment. We are mm-hmm. products of our environment. You can't fix that in school. Right. And so that's what they're trying. That's what they claim they're trying to do. We're trying to. We're trying to help them and give them resources and make sure the achievement gap. Education has to be valued in the home first. Right. If they don't think that education is important, it doesn't matter who's standing in front of them. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if they're a black person, a white person, age. It doesn't matter. They don't right. have that strong value of education. They don't care. That's a that's a we go here. We go here to hang out. We go here to eat. We go here to clown. Whatever we go, we that's school is for different reasons. Right. But what you need to do is when they do get ready to learn, the ones who come for education, mm-hmm. you need to be ready to educate them. And that's right. not that's not happening. And they claim, oh no, we don't bring personal values, and this is not political. But everything that comes out their classroom is liberal. Yeah, it's yeah. it's all liberal. And when the children, I've talked to plenty of students that say. When they give us writing assignments, I write what they want me to write, not what I actually believe, because I want that A. So, uh, oh yeah, exactly. Not, not yeah. So you've got to you've got to curtail your social media writing is basically what you're doing, so mm-hmm. you don't get you don't get uh, blasted and right. or um, you know the woke community doesn't end up, you know, uh, what do they call it when they. Ban- oh, banning, okay. banning somebody yeah. on Twitter or right. Facebook or whatever. Yeah. You can get banned at school. Oh, yeah. For, you know, not no, you may not get kicked out, but they're going to ban you to an oh, extent. Oh, listen, my daughter is dealing with that. That the, yep. the administrators and the teachers don't like where I stand. And they're making oh, so that very that. clear. So we had a, a teacher, which I'm still waiting to figure out who he is, 
see my daughter in the hallway, which they had to do some research because my daughter doesn't even have my last name. So right. you guys have been all over social media looking at her picture. You wow. know who she is. They pulled her. He said, come with me. And she's like, okay, because, again, she respects authority. Right. He takes her to the principal's office. He says, I just saw this young lady smoking in the hallway. She's laughing, which they thought, you know, she wasn't taking it serious, but she thought it was a joke. Right. Because you didn't just see me smoking in the hallway. Right. So she's laughing, and they're getting upset because she's not taking it serious. Right. And eventually she's like, wait, y'all for real? And <laughs> so she's like, all right. She's upset. She's crying. But she's like, finally she, she comes to, her, to herself, and she's like, run the cameras back. Run the cameras back. And then we'll see if I was smoking in the hallway. They sent her to class. Wow. I didn't get a phone call Good about that. for her. I didn't get you a did, phone oh, you didn't call get a from phone the call? school about that. I got a phone call from Holy my daughter. Cow. She wow. went to class crying. Her teacher, wow. of course, wants to know what's wrong. The teacher goes to the principal. The principal goes back to my daughter and says, did you tell Miss so-and-so that we had an altercation, like I did something wrong? That's how she's talking to a 14-year-old freshman. Girl. Wow. And still didn't call me. So I had to call and say, hey, what's up? No kidding. Did y'all run back them tapes? Oh, it was inconclusive. So why didn't I get a phone call? Because I thought we had handled it. No, you don't handle anything with, with the 14-year-old. 14 14 year yeah, exactly. She won't tell me who the teacher was because you knew. You knew the moment right. that he brought her there, that was mm -hmm. a target. You got teachers um, that would say, oh, I know who your mom is. I know what she's about. See, I grew up in the day of spanking at school. <laughs> you know, the, the, literally, when they had the paddle where every every year the shop teacher would make five or ten paddles Stop. out of, I'm not kidding, out of half-inch wood mm -hmm. with board holes in it so it had aerodynamics. Okay. And they would, they would literally call your parent if they, you know, they would call and say, hey, is it okay if I spank Jack? My mom would be like, yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> and beat him. Yeah. Go ahead. You know, yeah. but that, I also didn't grow up in a, an age of indoctrination. Right. I grew up with reading, writing, and arithmetic. Right. You know, that's what we were taught. Yes. Um, I don't ever remember. Man, I, I, talk, I talk to my kids all the time. Like, I, di I didn't even care about politics until I was well in my 40s. Yeah. Like, I didn't even, I didn't care who was Democrat, Republican. Like, right. I didn't think of that kind of stuff because that's not the way that I was raised. And it didn't. It, it did definitely didn't happen at school. Right. And even when I was in college, um, it wasn't like that. Like, I, I don't understand why all of a sudden I, oh, I do understand. I'm not stupid. I mean, I know why the indoctrination started happening, but it was like, you know, kids in my grade, you know, where I grew up, you know, they carried shotguns in the back window to school. <laughs> yeah. You know, nobody ever thought about shooting anybody at school. Right. We, you know, we went to we had if we we'd get in a fight and we'd be best friends the next day. Like yeah. nobody ever thought about killing each other. And so my point saying all this is that I think, I think that, you know, over the years, especially within recent years, I mean, if you think about it, we've only had the internet, what, less than 20 years was mm -hmm. 15 years. Is that what something 20, yeah. something 20 years. So you have, you know, not only the internet, but social media driving uh, an agenda. Yes. And it's driving our school systems. Mm -hmm. I want to play you something that um, I heard this week, and I just want you to listen to this, and then we'll talk a little bit, because it goes, it goes along with the, uh, the letter and the things that they're writing in school. Listen okay. to this. 642 Things to Write About is a paperback journal that's been used to supplement a senior writing course in Hudson for the last five years. But this week, a number of the prompts got parents' attention. Write a sex scene you wouldn't show your mom. Rewrite the sex scene from above into one that you'd let your mom read. Drink a beer. Write about the tastes. Write an X-rated Disney scenario. I hope each and every one of you is in, as uncomfortable as I am after reading that. 
I was appalled when my wife showed me and read to me a few nights ago what our kids were being exposed to. I'm sorry, what? So in Ohio, and this is a school board meeting last week in Ohio, that one of the writing assignments, they had this, this journal that they were given, the, the junior and senior class. They were asked to write a uh, sexualized Disney story, a, um, a time that they had a sexual encounter um, a, about drinking, you know, what it felt like, tastes like. Um, and then it goes on to say, and I didn't put that in here, but it goes on to ask, um, have you ever thought about dying? And if you have, what does it look like? <laughs> so this is to 16, 17, 18 year old kids um, that are, and this is the, sc th this is a, uh, a debate going on uh, in front of the school board. That's disgusting. It I'm is. Shook, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. any, any teacher that would ask that needs to go to prison. Yeah. Any teacher that is encouraging that needs to go to prison. Yeah. That 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 is child pornography. Exactly. That is that is pedophilia. No matter how you package it, right. it is government funded pedophilia. Mm -hmm. So here's uh, here's the rebuttal from the mayor of the town. So here's he he comes in a little bit later, and here's what he says. Come to my attention that your educators are distributing essentially what is child pornography. So I'm going to give you a simple choice either choose to resign from this Board of Education or you will be charged. Thank you. That gave me chills. So <laughs> <laughs> that gave me chills. Yes. stood up. Yeah. Right. So yes. we finally had somebody stand up and, and what we're seeing, and, and this is just one instance, you know, it went all the way back to when they were telling people they were going to call the FBI for parents who mm -hmm. came in and protested and said something. Yeah. and. They gave a, a, you know, a number, and it goes back to the letter that actually came out in the Rockwood School District that um, it's, it's appalling to think that they would hide something from the parents. Yeah. You know, that they would be teaching something or having them write something or having them do something that they would have to hide from their parents. Exactly. Exa why? Yeah. You have to explain that. You have to be held accountable. That's why I love to see all the parents standing up now and pushing back. You have to answer these questions. Mm -hmm. Why are we doing this? What is the relevance? How does this equate to academic excellence? How does this even equate to equity that you're talking about? It right. doesn't. It's demoralization. Mm -hmm. You're breaking down. You're breaking down a family. Don't tell your parents that your parents don't know what they're talking about. They don't. They're not. No, mm -hmm. no. That makes right. me want to fight. I'm just, I would go listen. <laughs> listen. And you know, if I <laughs> if I can just jump in, it's it's interesting because we talked about when we started the podcast and. We said we're not going to do anything political, and it this feels like it's political because we're you know we have a political candidate and we're talking about school mm -hmm. politics, but this shouldn't be political. This no. is Democrat, yeah, this Republican. Is, yeah. no. This shouldn't be an issue of hey, I'm going to ask your 17 year old daughter because right. there's men and women at this school right. to write a sex scene for me that she wouldn't show you, and then I'm going to ask your 18 year old son to go try a beer for the 
that's not political. No. Right, exactly. That, that shouldn't yeah. be political. It shouldn't be. That's why I had Jess on here, because uh, these guys know me. I don't get into politics. Yeah. Uh, Jesus rules everything yes. in my life, and he's coming back, and they d- I don't have to worry about Democrat or Republican. But Very true. what does bother me is the immorality that is being placed within the school system Tess. that goes against every fiber of my being. And um, even if I weren't a Christian, even if I didn't believe in Jesus Christ, and I used to be an atheist, and as an atheist, I still didn't think it was all right for this kind of stuff to be done in a school system. True. Like, I don't see how anybody over the age of tw- 18 years old could even think that this was okay. Right. But when again, when you think about the flesh, when you mm-hmm. think about being human, there are certain things that feel good. Right. And when you're saying, oh, this is normal, when you're telling them to lean into it versus being mm-hmm. disciplined, that's h- it's hard to be disciplined. Right. You're giving them the easy way out. Right. Every, that's, that's what it's about. It's about weakening people. We have no strength. We have no discipline. We have no morals. We have no direction. It's a free-for-all. Mm, and that good. feels good temporarily. Right. But we know what that's going to do. Yeah. We always say sin is fun for a season. That's right. You that's know. right. And but then eventually it takes over and usually takes you further than you wanted to go, keeps you longer than you wanted to stay, <laughs> and costs you more than you wanted to pay. So Very true. <coughs> Very true. So they yeah. know that. They right. are they are preying on young children who are uh, in the stage of learning how mm-hmm. to be disciplined learning how to find themselves, learning right. how to have a moral compass. They're vulnerable. They're going through puberty. They already have all these hormones rolling. Right. They're confused about who they are. They don't know their identity. And then when you put into the mix children that may be dealing with issues at home, right. they don't feel heard, they don't yeah. feel felt. And then you say, oh, that's okay, come over here. You can be a part of the LGBTQ community. We accept you. Oh, you don't know who you are. There are 90 different genders that I can tell. You can choose right. whichever one feels appropriate. They're, they're manipulating. Right. They're taking advantage of our children at their most vulnerable state. Yeah, we, we, we do a lot of, uh, you know, within the home, especially within the church, um, and especially with through Man Up God's Way, is we, we want to train our men to, our, our boys to be men, and we want to train our women to be women. Our, we want yes. to train our girls to be women. And um, in a godly stance, that's the way that God made us. He made man and woman. Yes. You know, he didn't make 42 other flavors. Right. You know, he made man and woman uh, to be one flesh and for that family unit to be uh, the centrality of the community. Yes, and it takes two to, to create. It takes two to sustain. It does. And that's a man and a woman. It does. Um, and and we I talk about this a lot. Like, men need to be men mm-hmm. so that women can be women. Right. We play in both roles, and that's unfortunate. I can't be. You know, so we, we have different characteristics. Women mm-hmm. are, you know, typically nurturing. The, the femininity is about being. So we're just here. Right. And we're kind, and we listen, and we understand, and we feel your emotions. That's, that's very right now. Right. Men are about doing, you know, yep. the hunting, the providing, the yep. protecting. That's very, you know, it's very active. There needs to be a balance. Women can't, we can't nurture. We can't listen Mm -hmm. when the kids are feeling bad and, you know, they're depressed and they're all of the things that the world is throwing at them. We can't help them if we're trying to provide and we're trying to hustle and we're trying to grind and all of that. No, there has to be balance and we have to get back to that. And this not being able to identify what a woman is. 
It's right. like, how confusing is that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? And we got a Supreme Court justice oh, saying great, that. Oh, you know? great, great. This, <laughs> yeah. is, this is like as the world turns. A it's potential like Supreme TV. Court justice, I should say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even to say, I'm going to put her in because she's black. Like that. I want whoever's qualified. Somebody right. was talking about an airline the other day that said, um, we're gonna h- we want 50% of our new pilots to be black. Mm-hmm. I don't care about your new diversity hire Tyrone. I want to make sure that my plane will land safely. Right. I don't want to go into the operating room and say, oh, this is our diversity hire. He's going to do your open heart surgery. Right. Well, I want qualified people. I don't care what that looks like. Our fascination with race is just yeah. disgusting. It's like, no, we need good people. You need to be a yeah. good person. And we've taken it, it even further than race, and we've g- we've we've our fascination with sex. Yes. You know, Disney just announced Ugh. that they're going to hire 50% of the LGBT. Like, they're, that's their goal, their is to have their characters. Yeah, and, and so we're going to make sure we have a kissing scene with ki- Yeah, exactly. Like this in their movies and in their uh, in the Disney World, you know, uh, parks and stuff like that. Like and it's Disney movies are, we were talking about this last night, Disney movies are a form of education. Mm-hmm. We learned about gender roles in Disney movies. Right. We learned about what it could be a lady, a girly girl, and a masculine a princess, man. A yeah, princess, yeah, exactly. Exactly. A prince, yeah, exactly. And now they're just going to throw all, all that, in that is a form of education. When you sit right. your kids in front of that movie, they're watching the roles, and they're, they're, they're saying, okay, how does this relate to me? How mm-hmm. does this relate to my mom? How does this relate to my family? And now, now they're just confused. They don't know what to do. It's a free-for-all. It's right. Uh. It does take people standing up, and do I mean I, I'm just really encouraged by that mayor out. Well, you said Ohio. Yeah, it's do in we, Ohio. Do we yeah. have his name? Do we know who that was? Uh, I do have it. Yeah. Yeah, that guy deserves a shout out for sure. Yeah. Because um, that's a bold move. And Jess, I mean, uh, I know you said you're only two years into politics. Uh, you know, I didn't get into politics till I was probably in my early 30s but i i read a lot you're sharp girl thank you <laughs> yeah i mean once, like that like like the bible says the truth will set you free yes amen. when you start going welcome aboard the di- sorry <laughs> <laughs> welcome aboard the okay. di- got you on autoplay sorry. yeah yeah you know when you start hearing it's like wait this this is it and right. that that other stuff that doesn't make sense to me and so yeah i've been i've been obsessed with it because i really i want people to and all new up. at five a book intended Sorry, I was oh trying no, to find okay. the, the mayor's name, but I can't find it now. Yeah. We'll try to get it. We'll get yeah, it we'll on get our it. end we'll and we'll put, put it, it out there. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, it's just so much. And I've been fascinated because I think once people understand it, and it's like, wait, this is not normal. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this too. That I heard somebody say that somebody wanted to legalize aborting children, like up to four weeks after birth. Yeah, I've seen that too. When does it stop? It doesn't. When well, that and that's the problem. If somebody doesn't stop it, it'll just go on and on and on. Oh, you want to murder your children? Oh, they're not. They're not. They're not listening. Oh, oh, they they want to get married. They yeah. want to. They want to. You know, two parent family. They you know they they're Christian. Oh, just get rid of them. Right. Like that's the world that we're going to if somebody doesn't stand up. And I know, I'm hoping. So as I go through this campaign, as it comes to an end, I'm hoping that people watch me. And they see the resilience and they see me standing up because it's been rough. They've called right. me every name you can think of, even a white supremacist. And I'm black. <laughs> so I'm hoping that they'll understand and have courage right. to say we can do this and we do have support and you are guided and you are covered. And this is bigger. This is bigger than just us. Right. And if you stand up for what's right, you will be protected and you will be guided. I think people are afraid. 
Right. They're afraid to lose their jobs. They're afraid, you know, they, they, they will call your job, call your husband's job, call your sister-in-law's job and say, oh, you're, you know, did you know you hired a racist? Did you? Right. It's just, it's insane. But I'm hoping that this campaign will encourage people to come out. We got three seats in Rockwood next year that needs to be filled. Right. For years and years and years, people in America have no idea what they're voting for. They right. don't look at voter records. Every single politician has a voting record. You can look up that voting record. You can see how they're voting. The reason why kids don't get paddles in schools anymore is because parents stopped it. Right. Yeah. And now it's gone the other way. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. Mm. We are fighting against principalities, evil principalities in high places. There's two attacks the devil has, division and fear. Yes. That's what's happening. Yes. The, 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 the voices that you hear the loudest is a very small group of people in America. Yeah, totally. But they have loud voices, and they have learned how to instill fear and how to um, create division. Yes. The principle goes right? back to my daughter. And, and so that's, that's the issue. So the question is, how do you fight the spirit of fear and division? Because it's not flesh and blood. Half these people, they have what God calls a reprobate mind. Like, they think they're right. That's true. Like, do. Our pr I, I'm not a, I don't get into politics at all, but our president, like, he makes Jimmy Carter look like Ronald <laughs> Reagan. <laughs> and half the nation voted for him. Right. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Look at this. Look at how fast. I mean, not not that the world was wasn't already going to hell in a handbasket. That's the story. Right. There is no there isn't a, a another book in the New Testament that says this thing turns around. Now, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean there can't be bright light in place. Right. That doesn't mean we don't run for school board members and try to try to do, you know, try to uh, try to make changes in right. this, that and the other. But we got to make sure we're, we're fighting the right battle. Are parents at home praying for their children? That's right. Mm. Are we using intercessory prayer as a weapon? Because we're not fighting flesh and blood. So right. how do we change the battlefield the way that we're supposed to do it? Amen. Right? Yeah. Right. That's the question. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Yeah. Very true. And we, I think, I think that's important that we have to have those mm -hmm. conversations because, again, people are afraid. They feel hopeless. They don't feel like they have any power or say in that. You go to these school boards, you go to places, they just look at you and kind of nod and don't say anything. And then it's just like, I don't know what to do. I don't have any power. But as you said, like you do. And this is, this is not just about people. Right. It's bigger than that. So I think that's extremely important. You know, my parents never, never got involved in school unless I was in trouble. No. You know, like, <laughs> like they didn't have they, a they say. Didn't, yeah, they didn't. Ha well, it wasn't even that they had a say. Well, they didn't need to say they anything. Right. Like yeah. well, they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were teaching us reading, writing, and arithmetic, you know, and it never, it never became po political. Yeah. Like I, that I can remember, you know, and I'm not saying there's not some indoctrination there, but I had, I still have great teachers that I know that, you know, were looking out for my best interest, even yeah. though I was an idiot most of the time. <laughs> you know that that's that's not to say that, but um, my parents didn't have to get involved. Like now, I feel like as a, I'm an older guy. I'm 53, and I've got 11 year olds. You know, yeah. so I'm I'm kind of I, I call it 1.0 and 2.0. So this is <laughs> 2.0 uh, in my life, and I feel like I've got to be involved with every little thing they do. And plus, they're African American yeah. in a predominantly white community. 
And um, we've had to have, you know, some pretty serious talks yeah. uh, with not only our kids, but with the teachers. And it just feels like more and more uh, we're having to get involved with the system itself because it's just they, they're, they're out of balance. They've yeah. gotten out of whack. And yeah. it's just like, just teach my kids how to read and to write and to add and subtract and multiply and That's let it. me let me do the rest of it. That's it. Right. That's that was that was my whole campaign. It's like back to the basics, just basics. If right. if these children can do just that, they can do mm. anything. They can do anything at that point. Right. I mean, they can, they don't even have to go to college. They can learn a skill on Google. They can mm. learn a skill on YouTube and right. and still become multimillionaire. Just teach them. Right. That is it. Just give them the foundation that they need to create the life that they want to based on their own family values and not the ones that you're giving them. You're giving, you know, instead of just giving them the tools they need, you're giving them the path. And that's right. not that's not your job. So, yeah. but and, and, you know, we that that all starts at home. Right. So I'm, I'm, I didn't want to do this Amen. because I'm giving away some of my some of my talk for the men's breakfast. Proverbs 22 six or seven somewhere around there is the verse that says train up your child in the way that he go he will go, the way he should go and when he gets old he will, will not, not depart right mm -hmm. that word train the verb in the greek is gym gymnasig it starts with g y m it means to exercise, exercise and yeah. drill mm -hmm. we are supposed to be training our when you go into a gym, every single piece of equipment is for something. It has a specific reason why you're using it. And it does this, this, and this. And we are not doing that with our children. We're bringing our children to church on Sunday. And then the rest of the time, we're these uh, basically secular parents, right? We're not doing right. A lot of a lot of home a lot of homes. Both people are working full time. I can say that because I came from a home like that, yeah. where my parents made great mm -hmm. money and they both worked. But there were things that I needed in my life that I didn't get, and it stunted my growth for years. Very true. If you're doing that at home, then you're training them to go out and be light. We're we're called to be light in the dark, not light, light in the light. True. We're supposed to be training our children to go and be light in the darkness and not be affected to the degree that they are by some of this. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be affected at all or that or, or, or some of this stuff shouldn't be going on. But all of our issues in this nation go back to the family unit. Yes. Yes. They go back. I have managed thousands of young white, black and Mexican men and women between the ages of 18 and 35. I can tell you, we're not doing what we need to be doing at home. Mm -hmm. true. Getting somebody mm -hmm. to come to work every day is a, is a real issue. Right mm -hmm. now, then you put them into a school and you're not selective about where you're putting them. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that it's just something you, they have to go to a school where you live, right? But right. you know, that we, we, if, then if, if, if we don't like the public school system, then, then school them at home. I mm -hmm. tell Christian men all the time, be very careful what college you send your Christian kid to yeah. because they are indoctrinating yeah. these children, mm -hmm. you know, and if they don't go to that school with the right foundation, 
They've not been trained to the degree that God said. God's not just saying, take them to church on Sunday, pray over your meal, and give them some decent advice. The rod rod that we're sparing is the rod of wisdom Mm -hmm. and correction. Yes. That's good. I think one of the encouraging things that I do take away from this is something that Jess brought up is, you know, I have an enormous amount of student debt from going to school. You, I have two degrees of which I'm not using and have a very good job making a very comfortable living. You don't have to go to school. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you can go do a trade. We're, I think there's a uh, 70% 80 to 80% of trade um, is not filled right now. Well, you can do US. like I did. You get a free ride if you join the military. Yeah. <laughs> That's what go. I did. Sign That's up. a little scary yeah. now, though, that the <laughs> stuff they're telling the military members. I, I'm ready. To, well, besides, yeah, the it, the military's become woke, too. Yeah. It's driving yeah. me daddy. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. But, yeah, you're right. I, I think that's where, you know, when you, when we look at the overall picture, uh, Ben's right. It, it is a spiritual battle. Yes. You know, and, and if he can, if the enemy, Satan, if he can divide the homes, which he's doing, he's doing a really good job with that because he's doing everything from, uh, you know, relationships that are not meant to be together. Uh, com- and then he's dividing relationships that are together, uh, godly relationships because of infidelity and pornography and, you know, this media driven world that is sexualizing everything that we do. Uh, he's going after our kids the exact same way. Yeah. My s- at the time, seven year old kid um, at school was told to go check out some website. And at seven years old, he got his first view of porn and i've got porn blockers like if i literally look at my my phone my um my laptop um anything that i have i've got a porn blockers on there that would literally send an email to my elders and my wife Mm. and he found an old ipad that i was probably the first generation ipad turned it on and was on there and that's how you know the school, and it's not. That's not the school system's fault. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying that's just the way that the, the culture that we live in now is so information um, debauchery, uh, sin is so available right now by a click of a button. Yes, it literally I've, by a click of the button. I've been off Facebook now for I don't know a couple of months, and. Um, I got off Instagram. I got off Twitter, which I tw- Instagram and Twitter I was barely using. Every once in a while, I post pictures of the grandkids. I go to foxnews.com once a day. Never watch the news. I watched the news some when the Ukraine thing first started down. Mm-hmm. I, but then I caught myself watching it every night, and my mood changed. Mm-hmm. I've gotten rid of all that stuff. Now, that's not realistic for everybody. But also, the church isn't doing their job. Right. right? right. So we're not doing our job right. the way we need to. People don't know people in there. Well, just think if everybody in your neighborhood knew everybody. Mm-hmm. And you guys know a lot of people right. in your neighborhood. Just think if neighborhoods got together and ate Actually together just sometimes yeah, and, and did good, the things yeah. that the Axe Church was doing. Right. How we how a lot of this would change because it's so easy to create division between people that don't know each that other. Yeah. True. Right. And, that, and th- I think that's yeah. what you were you were witnessing while you were going through this campaign was I mean people were coming at you that don't even live in our neighborhood. Yeah, had or no our, our community yeah. or whatsoever. Even in, the, even in the city, I had right. people in in Kansas City, you know, just today calling me out on stuff like, "Wow, you don't even have skin in the game here. You right. just are, you just hate me." 
Right. Because of what somebody told you or because we don't agree on things. You know, I got I got a phone call from um, a woman who was friends with the, one of the people that is actually my opponent. We, we, we believe very different things. And she's like, man, every time I see Jessica, she hugs me. She embraces me. Like, that's kind of strange. It's like, no, it's not. That right. should be normal. Every time you see me, right. I'm going to love on you. I think your ideas are wacky, right? but you're a human, and I love you, and I know you came to that conclusion based on the information that you had, and I'm going to love you regardless. I'm not. I'm the bridge. I'm going to be the bridge. That's you awesome. guys expect one thing out of me. I'm going to always show up and show you differently. We don't have to hate each other. Our community, our district is so divided and broken. Yeah. Somebody has to say enough is enough. Well, the issue is I don't think it's just our district. I think the world right now it is, is yeah. broken. Um, I think, you know, I've been preaching this for the last two years. I mean, COVID did a, a major um, mental, spiritual. It did it did spiritual and mental damage to um, the culture, yes. um, because for months all we had to go by was whatever came through a phone or the TV or the iPad or the, I mean, I spent hours myself with church folks texting and zooming and you know just going back and forth for a few weeks until we finally went back to church i think we were only closed down for four weeks um and we we went back to church pretty quickly uh but still we still had this disconnect because everybody was wearing a mask and we had six feet separation and all this craziness happened um and then you get into uh the the uh elections and then you get into the vaccines and then you get into you know, ag again, you saw the, the race issues come, you know, in Seattle. Mm -hmm. um, you saw all that stuff happening. Yeah. And so um, we have right now in our world a hopeless society. I see my, fo my, my, my folks in ministry and church, they're hope-filled mm, because yeah. they have Jesus. Yeah. They're not worried about the stuff. Like, I'm not kidding. They're not worried majorly now we again there's always one or two uh you know in, in the in the barrels but uh um we have hope yes. and and ben's right we we need to be out sharing that more uh well, to the rest of the world and we need to share the gospel like it's supposed to be shared so right. if you get into the back of the into the book of acts they weren't standing up in front of people and going God loves you. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> he, like, lo oh, yeah okay. he loves you mm. so much. Do you know how precious you are to God? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But until you become saved, God doesn't like you. <laughs> God, <laughs> God hateth Esau. I just broke out the KJV on you. Okay? okay. <laughs> he hates sin. Yeah. And before your conversion, God does not like you. Mm. He does not like your sin. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so we've got to start preaching the gospel the right way. And I'm not saying you got to go up and tell people, you're going to hell. Uh -huh. But there is a way to do uh -huh. it like Peter stood up and did it. Mm -hmm. And that is, hey, repent. Believe right. on the believe Lord, Lord Jesus Lord. Christ and be baptized. Yeah. Right? And you will receive the Holy Spirit. That's the gospel. Amen. Yeah. That's the gospel in its truest form. Because one but sounds like, oh, it doesn't matter what you do. That's you can right. do anything. Oh, he still loves you. Right. Oh, you just smoke crack in the bathroom. That's okay. That's right. And, so, and we're just going to keep doing it. We're going to keep spreading a little Jesus on top of it. Just It's okay. The other one is like, no, you have to turn around. Yes. You physically have to turn around and start doing something different. Yeah, sometimes sometimes in a different direction. You're exactly right. Sometimes when I do announcements at the church, I say I, I start with something 
that pierces people's heart, and then I'll look at, at everybody and say, did I say welcome to Ignite Church? <laughs> like, this isn't all rainbows and sunshine and unicorns. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? This is tough business being a Christian. Yes. And, and, and people need to understand mm-hmm. that there is no, um, there is no do-over. Right. Right. right? You yeah. get one shot. Yeah. You know, I w- almost asked a question the other day. Anthony ta- talked me out of it. I was going to stand up there and say, who stands between you and your grave? Mm. Right? Yeah. Mm. Like, who yeah. stands between yes. you and your grave? Yes. Jesus yeah. stands between you and your grave. Now, whether you believe that or not, you will deal with it one day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because every knee will bow, and one out of one dies. Okay. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah, people exactly. need to start hearing. Yeah, exactly. People need to start hearing that message. I mean, we when we did pray for the Lou, we prayed for you and Izzy yeah. at every mm-hmm. single school here and the administration board. Yeah. We believe that God's going to put you guys into this position. And we did it because we want Christian folk in there that care about the children and that mm-hmm. want to do right by the children. And like you said before, they're getting involved with all these things that a school shouldn't be involved in. Teach the kids. Yeah. I never remember a teacher in my whole life talking to me about what I should or should not believe in. Right? Mm-hmm. They taught me not to fight, to right. respect my parents, and to respect my, my students around me. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was expected to do at school other than my work and the tests. Yeah. We even and had home ec. Oh, yeah. Home ec taught, yeah. taught men's roles and women's roles in in the home, but they taught the men how to do the women's roles so you could come alongside and help. Yes. Um, yeah, we, we, cook. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, teach me how to cook. Yeah, I yeah. can do mac and cheese all day long. <laughs> but we were talking earlier uh, before the pa- podcast started. Um, authenticity yes. is a major problem um, in society, number one. Because we do have the mask behind, you know, the screen. Um, I call them Facebook prophets and Google theologians. You know, the, they never get involved in somebody's life, but they, I mean, they're keyboard warriors all day long. That's right. Um, you can't be authentic that way. No. And uh, I love what you said that, you know, you'd like to get out to meet people so you can be authentic. You've shared your story, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because that's who you are. You know, that's who... Uh, that that that's what made you who you are today to be able to stand uh, in a world that you know just really is mean. Number one, uh, number mm-hmm. two, that they they don't want they don't want opposition, right? And um, they will do everything to blast you if you do give them that opposition, especially a conservative moral high ground that you're taking right now with. Um, the school board position that you can potentially potentially take. Now, again, you've got that's just part of the fight. Yeah. You know, I mean, the fight to get in is going to be even greater. And I pray that both you and Izzy get in at the same time, because that'll be a huge help. But um, I think you being authentic about who you are, where you came from, what you've gone through, what you've seen, you know, the um, the welfare system is is exactly like you said it's made to keep people i would say in bondage oh absolutely absolutely to to the system that um they don't step because it costs you to get married yes and it costs you to have another baby 
uh, it cost you. They 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 wouldn't take care of you. No. Uh, even in a time when you actually needed it. Now yes. you were. You had your wherewithal about you to be able to go out and make it on your own, but not everybody does. They get stuck in the system, you know, and it could be, it could be in North St. Louis. It can be in the Appalachian of Kentucky. It could be in the, you know, the cities of Chicago. Like it can be everywhere. It's not just necessarily a black thing. No, it's, it's a black, it's a white, it's a Mexican thing. It's a human thing. It's a human thing. We talk about, I listen to Thomas Sowell and he talks about disparities. Mm -hmm. It's like, like you said, in the Appalachian, in the mountains, Mm -hmm. It's it's just about location. Yeah, you just happen to be away from everybody Everything else. else. Yes, that nobody's discriminating against you. Mm-hmm. Nobody hates you. Nobody's forcing it upon you. Right. That's you just happen to be born there. Yeah. we're not going to change your entire system because there's disparities between one right. group or another. You know, some they have the opportunity to leave and do other things. We have we have plenty of opportunity, but mm-hmm. to to try to destroy you know what we have now mm-hmm. because of, of some you know disparities. But yeah, the welfare system is about destroying the family unit. Right. You incentivize women to not marry and to have kids and to ha- and to have because you get more money. You get more money. I yeah. used to facilitate. Uh, teen group in East St. Louis and the horror stories I would hear. I never thought it was possible. A girl was like, yeah, my mom wants me. She's 16. My mom wants me to have a baby so that we can have more food stamps. 16. Right. You're gonna. This is your daughter. You're going right. to destroy her life so you can get a couple of more food stamps? Instead of giving her a way out to say, no, you're going to finish school. Right. You're going to get educated. You're going to lay a solid foundation. And that's what's going to be. Even if you want her to stay home and help you, that's right. going to give her more freedom than just it. But that's all they know. It's a cycle. I right. watched my sister deal with that. Now, my niece just had a baby. She's 17, just turned 18. And I tried to take her out and, you know, show her the city. I took her to the Central West End. I'm like, what do you think about this neighborhood? And she's like, it's okay. She's like, would you ever want to live, you know, in something mm-hmm. like this? She's like, no, not really. I like where I live. It, but that's all she sees. She's normalized right. that. She's like, yeah, I'm going to the welfare. It's a cycle. And, let's, you know, giving – I want people to be empowered. Right. I want you to give them an empowering message. Like, you can do whatever. You you have to believe. You have to have faith. You have to persevere. You mm-hmm. have to fall down. You have to get back up. That's the name of the game. That's good. That's just how it goes. But if you keep going, you event, you're you going you're gonna to get something good out of life. But that's not what they're, they're doing. Right. I had a teacher, my daughter, if you would ask her what she wanted to be, she would always say, I want to be a criminal defense attorney. Never never hesitated, never studied, never stuttered. She, she told one teacher that. Now, my daughter does struggle with English. English reading. She speaks English fluently, but her first academic language is Mandarin. But when they see her, they don't see that. They see a black kid right. that's struggling to read, read like right. the rest of them. She was like, oh, I don't know about that. You should think about doing something else. It's a lot of reading that happens in law school, and that might not be a oh good idea. No. <laughs> I didn't realize that she took that to heart until somebody asked her that. She told me about the teacher telling her that, and I tried. To, I encouraged her, and I'm like, no, you got this. Like, right. And somebody else asked her recently, and she said, I don't know. And mm. that broke my heart. Mm. That broke my heart. Instead of you saying, no, okay, I see where you are right here in reading. We're gonna, what do you love to read? We're going to find what you love to read, and then all right. of a sudden you're going to be reading, and then you're going to be back on grade level, and then you're going to get to this, and before you know it, you're going to be a criminal defense attorney. That's, That's awesome. the message right. you give yeah, them. Exactly. That's not the message they gave her. It's that right. bigotry of low expectations. It's like, no, sorry. Mm. Maybe you should think about being... Something else. Well, and that's uh, that's uh, that's why di- that's why discipleship is so important. Mm-hmm. Men or women or women in the community that that take these some of these kids under their wing, and 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 I I used to work at a at a huge warehouse, and I had four hundred and 
35 employees. Mm-hmm. And I stood up one time in a, in a night shift meeting. I stayed late to meet with this group that I was having trouble coming to work. And I stood up, and it was a lot of young black and white men that just weren't doing well in life. And I challenged them. And I said, I'm going to challenge every single one of you to come to work every single day that you're supposed to be here for 90 days. And if something drastic doesn't happen that shows you the benefit of working every single day of your life, I'll give each one of you $20. Now, we're talking about probably a group of 55, maybe 60 people at the time. So the worst I'm out is 1200 bucks. Yeah. About six months later, I, had the, I, I, ha- I started to have some of them come up and start to talk to me about that talk that I did that day. And one of the guys stopped me in the hallway. He said, listen, I just want you to know I listened to you that day. And he said, now, I, I was behind on my child support, and now I'm caught up. I just got a new car, and I just want to tell you thank you. Now, that was a cu- that, now obviously that's all God working through me. Yes. I don't take credit for any of it yes. because I never cared about another soul in my life except for myself before God. Yeah. But my, my point is that day I made a choice to invest, mm-hmm. to go out on a limb and not worry about losing my job because I challenged them. It wasn't, uh, oh, God loves you talk, right? right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't that type of tone. And it, it, it paid off in, in, in these young men's lives some of them some of them it probably didn't i never heard from them but that's why in in a in a community we're supposed to be you know it takes a village to raise a kid but you don't know your neighbors very true (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying nobody can tell your no nobody in the world can tell your kid what correct your kid in public you'd flip not you but people would flip how dare you speak to my well listen to me your child's a problem Right. Yes. And you need to do something about it or I will, right? Yes. Yeah. And you, I don't mean to say it like that. I'm just trying, you know, to, right, exactly. to get the point across, right? So we, we have to, we, we, if we go back to the church model and the church model would actually get out there and do something, there should, we've talked about it before. If the church was doing what it's supposed to be doing, there wouldn't need kids to be adopted. Right. That we wouldn't need the welfare, welfare system. system yeah. Because the church would be doing, instead yeah. of building huge buildings and spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on concerts and mm-hmm. this that and the other we'd be doing other stuff with that money not yep. not that you don't have a church yep. not you don't have some of that in the church but the excess in the church right now is crazy but if you look at if you look at the church the reasons we have hospitals are because of the church the reason we have universities sure. is because of the church the reason that we did have a an orphanage system, if you will, an orphan system, it was because of the church. And the problem was is the church gave it over to the government, and now the government. And and here's the issue with the school system. When you're getting your paycheck from somebody, they have say-so really on what you do and say. And so when 90% of your funding is coming from the government, they can tell you what to say. Mm -hmm. Or what what have they done over the last few years? They threatened to take their funding away. That's it. If you don't use the mask, we're going to take your funding away. If you don't do this, we're going to take your funding away. If you don't, you know, do this. Cur- and they change the curriculum or the, the stance of the curriculum every four or five, six years, whatever, whatever. I mean, what's the stupid math they tried to throw up? Common Core. Common Core. Like, 
How dumb is that? Yeah, and, you know, I, I did some research on Common Core, and they were talking about how that was linked to a system, like a system where it's like, okay, oh, you, you failed kindergarten math? This said that you were meant to be a janitor, so you, that's, that's, that's your destiny. So it was, right. it was categorizing children based on their based math. On their math it's like, again, that's not empowering. It right. gives you no room for evolution and growth and faith and any of that. It's just like, no, this is, this is, this is where we're going to use you. This is how we're going to build society. And as long as we have electric... Kids don't need to worry about math. No. I mean, they. I literally can. I can do any kind of math problem I want to yeah. right here on yeah, my but phone. But they will have to learn how you to know. use the system. But yeah, they either that or you know, like uh, I, I keep telling my kids, I'm like the one thing that I would have spent more time on is English. Yes. I you know learning to write, learning to to speak well, learning to you know understand words like that would have been so much better. In the Bible, it talks about um, generational sins. And, you know, kind of going back to um, the system, you know, whether it be welfare or, you know, the adoption system or whatever, you know, um, and, and societal issues when we look at communities, whether it's North St. Louis or the Appalachian Mountains or, you know, uh, Chicago or Harlem or, you know, where, wherever those normal communities that are struggling to get people out of the cycle, if you will. Um, the Bible talks about generational sin, and that sin is passed on to generation after generation. And the the point of the story is is that there is a point where somebody can stand up and say, "No more." Yes, I repent. I'm done. For me and my family, this is not going to happen anymore. Mm-hmm. And Ben was talking about praying for our kids. <coughs> One of the things that we did early on is is we've raised our kids with a bar. Um, especially spiritually, that was really, really high. Like, you know, they were pastor's kids. We wanted them, you know, we homeschooled our first two kids. We're trying to reorganize with our second, you know, second set of kids and trying to figure all that out uh, again. But we've always had our bar extremely high for them because when we do let them out of the house, when they do finally go, um, they're going to fall. You know, the world's going to come after them. But that fall, if the bar's up here, their fall is only down here yeah. but if i don't give them some kind of bar you know if i raise them way down here and they fall i mean that 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 depth that distance there is a lot greater than this distance up here mm-hmm. it might be the same drop but because i didn't raise them with that kind of uh, mentality to have a higher bar um, and i think that's what society is doing is it's creating a bar that's so low that it just it doesn't feel like anything. No, yeah, you don't feel the, the failure. You don't feel the falling down. You right. don't feel you know you don't feel losing. Like we give out we give out awards for just showing up. We don't feel anything. Right. It's just like oh this is normal, and right. as long as I just if I show up I'm good. Like versus yeah. like the the hard work and the standards. So we we do have to get back to that. And that's as parents we sh- we set that in our actions, not yeah. only by the words we speak, but how we show up every day in our lives. Like that's, you talk about generations and breaking that, like that was me. Right. And we got to remind people, that's not going to be easy. That's not an easy role. I got family that won't speak to me. Right. They don't like what I'm doing. They don't like what I'm saying. It doesn't fit their narrative. And I'm okay with that because my kids are watching me. Right. They watch everything I do and I want them to, I want them to do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I want them to follow because they, they, they do what I say sometimes. They mm-hmm. always do what I do. I watch yeah. them. I remember when my daughter started talking 
and she used to smack her lips and it's like oh that's horrible and my husband was like mm-hmm, mm. you do that <laughs> it's like i don't <laughs> and I, I i quickly i stopped so i'm like she's doing everything she's doing everything, you do. everything that i do in the so bible it says um paul tells um the corinthians uh to imitate me he's telling them to you know their example they didn't get to see jesus yeah. you know um, the closest thing they get to see to Jesus is, is Paul. And he says, imitate me. And I've told my children that, you know, especially my boys. Uh, I tell them to imitate me. I'm going to be the closest thing to Jesus that you're going to see. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be fallible, though, yeah. where Jesus is infallible. He, he was perfect. He was sinless. But until you truly understand who Jesus is and understand um, what he is in you, I'm the closest thing that you have. And so I want you to imitate me. And Ben's right. We don't have enough people out there saying, imitate me. Yes. You know, let me show you the way. Let me challenge you to the way. Let me help you out of the way. And um, this is really convicting for me tonight. I don't know why, man. It's so just, it's John, like, 5, ni- John 5, 19 says this. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the father Father do do. for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Mm. Now, in the context, he's talking about him and the father. Spiritualize that a little. Take it to the man of the house. Mm -hmm. Right. So a a son that grows up with no father, they're running the streets. They're they're trying to figure out ways to get their manhood mm-hmm. and to and to to get that power that they're looking for that they that they don't know the right way. If your dad's lazy, you're yes. gonna grow up with lazy. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a person that my dad corrected me and he loved me, mm. but there was never any wisdom behind the correction. Every mm. piece of wisdom I've gotten in my life before God was by failure. Mm. That's how my wisdom grew all yeah. my life. Yeah. Now that's not an excuse. I right. was an adult. I've been an adult for a long time. I'm 50 years old. But my point is like you said we are a product of what we're we come from unless something comes in and changes yes. that. A a, a, a great grandparents, whatever it was. Yeah. Something comes in and changes that. For me in my life it was Jesus and then men mm-hmm. yeah. that poured into my life that saw these things in my life that that weren't you know that weren't good and was were, were pouring into me and teaching me these things um with the, there's so many sons that are like their dads and there's so many daughters that are like their moms yes. mm-hmm. and we we we, we want to blame it on everything sometimes but ourselves yeah uh, you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and this is this is the this is the importance of training up your child in the way that they should go, right? We spend more time, and I'm not saying sports is bad because sports is a really good way to keep your kids active in this, that, and the other, but we will put hours and hours and hours a day into sports, training our kids, paying people to, to teach them how to catch and throw in this and the other, training and nothing body. on training them to grow up to be godly men and women, Yeah. right? Yeah. Yep, that's true. So what do you what do you think in your life? Like what was the catalyst to to I mean you could have easily been in the cycle. Like you yeah. you there was a point in your time, I mean, you know, at 15, 16, you know, when you had your abortion and then 16 when you had your first child and then or 17 and then 
Um, I mean, even you know, those years were rough. Yeah, like even a start, like you know, seventeen, a new kid. Like I was in the street bad, and I think I think some of it was the environment because of the age. You know, I got there early, so it wasn't a lot of trauma like right. that you see with my siblings. There was trauma, but just not as much. My family, you know, we had chaos, but we also had family members that half of my family were highly educated. They were all married. They would come over for Christmas because my grandfather's birthday was on Christmas Day. Um, And so I would see them. They had these amazing relationships. They were doctors and architects and lawyers. So I knew there was something different. I didn't see it in my immediate family, but I knew that there was something that could be done. So I think that, you know, the impact of not having so much trauma, seeing that. And then my my daughter, my daughter, just watching her, I'm like, man, I have to do have this to do for this, her. Yeah. And, you know, again, my mother, we talk, I mean, talk, my mother spent 17 years in prison. And when she got home, I was so excited. I always, I thought, even though my mother wasn't there, I idolized her. So it's like a girl wants her mother. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter um, if she's a right. drug addict or what. She wants her mother. And so when she got home, I had just had my second daughter. And I'm like, this is going to be great. Grandma's going to be around. It's going to be so much. And she wasn't the woman that, I built her mm. to be in my mind. Um, you know, she was still very selfish. She was, you know, she came back home and went straight to the streets. She wasn't grandma. She wasn't picking up the kids from right. school when I had to work. And there was a lot of bitterness and resentment. Um, and so, you know, to talk about how I became who I am, it really, you know, a lot of that came through the journey of understanding her and forgiving right. her. It started off as bitterness. Like, I don't want to be like you. I'm going to do everything I can to not be like you. I'm going to be the mom that I needed for my girls. And so it was it was really coming from a place of bitterness. But right. then I realized that bitterness was eating me up because I would avoid her phone calls. She would try to call and I would talk about how you're the reason that I am the way that I am because you weren't around and I didn't have you. I was blaming her for everything. You know, if I couldn't go to work because my kids were sick, it's like you should be here. Look at you. You're not, you know, so it was it, it was tearing me up. But then I realized it was kind of hurting her too, and I'm like, "Wait a minute!" Like, were you putting pressure on her at this time? Um, you know, I didn't really, t- like, I didn't really tell her no. about it. It was really internal. Okay. Because that just wasn't my my style to right. just go. That's just what I was dealing with. Because I always felt bad for making people feel bad. Right. Because you know, in a way, it's like I knew that you know, you you really you were a product of your environment. But I was still feeling, I was still being a victim of that, and I okay. it felt good right. <laughs> to blame her. Um, and so eventually, I'm like, wait a minute, Jess, this not helping you because this kid is still her and she's still not showing up when they sick and what what's the point that's 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 without you know merit so eventually i'm like okay jess you are you're so bitter every time she calls you you get upset you mm-hmm. judge her all of that you killing yourself wait a minute did you ever take the time to figure out how she became the way that she is because that was the point where i'm trying to figure out how i became the person that i am right. and why i'm so toxic and why i can't you know keep my life together so as i started being more kind to myself and loving on myself and, you know, being patient and having faith and all of that. I'm like, I got to extend that to other people, too. So I'm like, all right, let me ask this woman about her story. And then she started telling me her story. I mean, my heart would break. Mm. I'm like, you don't even have what I'm looking for. You right. never got it. My, my grandmother had schizophrenia. So my mother took care of her. Her brothers and uncles were all sexually abusive to her. She took care of herself. So she turned to, her, to the street. She did the best wow. that she could. Right. I'm like... You don't even have what I need. You were never loved in the way that I want you to love me. It's like going to a water fountain and expecting Cheerios to pop out and being right. mad every time they don't. It's like, yeah. why, are you, why are you doing That's that? Good. And so I got to hear her story and say, man. You are you you did the best that you could. I think that's that's the problem with a lot of relationships is that we're 
preconceived expectations. Like we have this idea of what we want in the relationship, whether it be a parental or, you know, your children or, you know, people at church or whatever. You have this preconceived ideas of what you think should be going on. And many times those people aren't even capable of giving you what you need. That's true. And that goes back to authenticity, too. Yes. Coming, creating a space for people to just be whole. I want to know who you are inside and out. I mean, I may not choose you. Because you may not be a perfect fit, but I still respect me yeah. enough to let me choose. Because right. cool, we I get it. We all are a product of right. our environment, but just come, come as you are. That's good. Please, That's there good. is always yeah. space for redemption. Come right. as you are. I can work with an honest person that says these are my problems. Okay, right. let's figure out how we can fix that. But yeah, she, you know, it was just like okay. I love you. Mm-hmm. I love you right where you are. I'm not gonna keep holding you to this standard because you can't. You can't meet it. You don't have. You don't have it. Right. So you at what point did it. you forgive her? Um, this was a couple of years ago, maybe three or four years ago. Okay. Um, so I would I would start answering the phone. I would listen to her, and she would you know she would just go you know relive her stories, and she would always say, "You are so much like me. You have the best parts of me." That drove me crazy. Right. I didn't understand that until recently after she died. So my mother, um, I got a phone call. Um, last year around this time from the hospital. And I had talked to her a few months before. I was avoiding her calls for a moment because she was really, I didn't realize she had been drinking heavily. But I just knew these phone calls are just, I can't They're do odd, it. Yeah. But something was like, pick up the phone. Great conversation. It was so great. And I just embraced it. And I loved on her. And I said everything she needed to hear from me. Didn't know that was my last phone call with her. Got a call a couple of months later um, saying, your mom is here. You're you're the person, the only person that she has listed as, you know, her next to can, even though I got siblings and she had other family. And, like, you know, we, she, her liver is failing. We don't know if she's going to make it. And so, right. long story short, you know, she ended up, I went up there and signed the papers and she, um, she passed from, okay. you know, her liver failing. And I went there because I wanted to see her and let her know that she didn't fail. Good. That Amen. she was loved, That's and that awesome. you know she, we, I, I forgiveness. I forgave right. her. I loved her. I was right there with her to the end. It's like you didn't fail, and I love you. And you know it all is well. I still feel her around me now. Mm. Um, but that forgiveness was what allowed me to open my heart to other people, open my heart to everybody that's struggling and understand like you are you're a product of your right. environment and i can't expect certain things from you like i just have to choose to love you where you are that could mean i might not communicate with you but i'm gonna still love you where you are right. that allowed me to do the same thing for my sister and forgive her for the things that she did to me uh, my daughter's father it's like I, I get it so it's just like nobody no i don't have a bad word about anybody that's great yeah it's, it was it i was always say unforgiveness is like drinking acid and hoping the per- other person <laughs> dies for real you know it's yeah, like it's like y'all not thinking about me right. and i'm sitting over killing myself and it's it's all forgiveness is not necessarily for them it's for you yeah and you then know? the act watching when my siblings watched me go through that process, because they were still blaming her and after right. she died, um, and the eulogy that I gave them was reminding her. Every letter she wrote, every person she sent to our house, every gift she sent, every phone call, every visit, that was her loving us Whoa. the best way that yeah, she, she could. Yeah, yeah. And my brother got up and was like, I never thought about that. I've been sitting here angry, didn't want to say, and he's like, I, you know, I can move, awesome. I can I can do this. And w- he, he mended the relationship with my father, too, because my father was struggling for a long time. And I'm like, I don't care what y'all say. I love this man. He's been struggling, but he's been clean, and he's been, you know, he's allowed to, to fall, and he's got, you know, but he needs us. And so watching, to watch somebody forgive That's somebody awesome. is powerful. So I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful that I can do that. So when, awesome. when I think of your testimony, I think of John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Yes. 
Mm. You're, you very well could have succumbed to darkness in your life. Yeah. How did God play a part in that in your life? Where was God in your life through all this? So I have a really interesting relationship with church. I mean, in and out of church. Um, I remember going to church when I was younger with my grandmother, not my great-grandmother. And my, my relationship with my grandmother was always rocky because I watched her let her elderly parents raise us, and she didn't help. Mm-hmm. So she would go to church, bounce back and forth to church, and you know, she it was a social club for her, and these churches were kind of scary at times, you know, people screaming, and it was just a lot. Um, so I was never really into it until I um, started playing the piano. My, my piano teacher was a Lutheran, so we went to Lutheran church, and I played the piano. I would read the scripture. Um, and I ran into some characters at church that really had me put church in a light that was negative. Like, if these are the people that are in church, I don't want nothing to do with church. Um, I always had a relationship with God. It was always, I mean, <laughs> right. I, was, I, was, I, w- I was always just that light. And I, it was always in me. Um, but the, the things that happened within the church, like, you know, I, uh, there were some pastors that offered me sex. There was the, the people I were babysitting for that was also offering me sex. And it was so many things. I'm like, I, I can't do this. I got to go straight to the source. So I was a part of um, a African Methodist Episcopal Church. Really liked it there. And um, I had a, a, a women's group called New Women in Christ. Okay. Because at that, I'd been, I was baptized when I was 14 in the Lutheran Church. Um, so there was always this, this, you know, in and out relationship. But there was always God. Even if it wasn't connected to church, there was always God. And it was always like, I, I know. I know I'm protected. Because mm-hmm. getting through all those situations, you can't. How else do you explain yeah, that? Exactly. How else do you explain? <laughs> and even today as I walk, I'm like, you know, I just get up and I just show up in rooms. And somehow I have favor. Somehow. Mm-hmm. I, I give talks sometimes where I don't even feel like it was me. Yeah. People be like, oh, I like that part you said. I said, honey, I don't even know what I said. So I've always felt that connection. Um, but I think at this point, I have to find my way back to the family. Mm-hmm. I have to find my way back to the church that represents what God actually yeah. is. Yeah. I just want to say one Amen. more thing, and I'll let you two close this show okay. out. Be light. Yes. Amen. Always. The, I believe you're going to get this. I'm not saying this is from God, but it's dirty. And you know it, or oh you yeah. wouldn't be running. There's going to be a lot of darkness around you. I always use this analogy. Most people, when they become a cop, they w- they they become a cop for good reasons, and they want to change the world. And the darkness changes them. Yes. Right. Don't let that happen. Be light. Yes. Right. Yes. Pray. Yes. Make your prayer life better than yes. you ever have, because you're going to be in the middle of it. Yes. And That's and I'm good. praying that you remain the light. Thank you. And I, that even no way. even if you're even if you're affecting change and making things happen and fighting battles, that you're doing it as a representative of Christ. Yes. Right. Yes. Because okay. that's where the strength comes from. You yeah. don't. I don't have it in me to to do what I do. Like this right. is above me. The doors that have been open over the last year, I could have done that. I mean, I will. I said a prayer about about school board because at first I'm like, I can't do this. I had the radio show and all of that, and I'm like, I can't do it. I'm like, all right, which one you want me to do? I'm this. I'm just going, you know, because in my mind, I'm like, I need to do the radio show. Not, I got too much chaos happening in life for me right. to do this school board thing, and I'm like, but I'm going to surrender, and I'm going to see. I was walking into a school board, into a meeting with the, with the campaign team, fully ready to tell them I'm out, 
And as I walked in, I got a text from the radio station saying, Jess, we can put we can only put you on Saturdays. Like just like that. I didn't even have to ask. <laughs> so I walk around with this confidence because it's like this is not this is not me. Right. This is I'm just I'm just showing up. Like how, awesome. whatever. So it's like, you know, there's no losing. Like the path is is already laid. I just gotta have faith and walk it. So I just keep showing up. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And keep sharing the Saul side of your testimony. We yeah. always talk about Saul had a Saul side. And then he met Christ and he became Paul. So your yeah. testimony is, this is who I was. This is what happened. Yes. And this is who I am now in Christ. Yes. The power yeah, is good. in the bad side. Absolutely. I Be- said it re- re- qualified me. And yeah. the reason it is, is because once Jesus comes in your life, you don't get credit for the rest of it. <laughs> it's true. Okay. True. If you want to say you made a decision to accept Christ in your heart, I'll give you that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But after that, it's the it's God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Right? And all the power we have is in Christ. So the, the reason why the power is on the Saul side is because that's the side you own. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. I, I told I, you I was going to let you guys close. I love you. It. No, Jump that's in there. very that's important because I, yes. I, I think I talk about that all the time. People are like, wow, how did you live through all of that? And no, like that is that is that is what built me. Right. That's what made me uniquely qualified to touch certain hearts in certain situations. I couldn't empathize with people the way that I do. And life doesn't stop. Like, I'm still living it. My ex-husband right. just got diagnosed with congestive heart failure at, at 35. It's like constant. My mom dies. Like, life doesn't stop. Right. You're going to always hear about that because that's where, that's where people are. That's where people are hurting. You have to, you have to own good. that. Yeah. That's good. Mm. That's really good. Yeah, but yeah. That goes well, back to authenticity. Yeah. In the church, yeah. you've got a bunch of unapproachable people, and the reason why they're unapproachable is because they don't ever share their testimony. Yes. Yeah. You, do, you feel like that you can't attain what they are. They oh, come into a room, and all that. they're ready to do is teach a lesson. Say that. Right? say that that's yeah. that's true and that's what i because I, I listen to people and like oh my my ivy league degree and my two parents i was like i have none of that so i don't even feel like i can get what you got i want to talk right. to the people who've been drugged down the street by their hair like me like right. i want <laughs> bring me all of that like that's that's why people when i see people they just walk up and hug me and people are like you know that i don't i don't but they know they know they can come to me right yeah the beauty of that story to jess and just to give you know um our listeners a little bit of encouragement and your daughter a little bit of encouragement you know that almost breaks me uh, I'm somebody who didn't read. If you guys heard my story, I didn't read till I was 23. Mm. Um, but I have two degrees, and I, you know, information's free now. Yes. Uh, I heard Pastor and you talking about how the bar is so low. We've put this bar mm-hmm. super, super low. You know, the caveat to that is it's so easy to shine. Yes. Um, if I can give, uh, I, I don't know what you're reading currently, but you you sound like you're well read. Um, I heard you say that your family doesn't like what you're saying a lot of times. Mm -hmm. The ironic thing is you're actually just regurgitating information that was already said. One of my favorite autobiographies is Booker T. Washington, Uh, Up From Slavery. Oh, I love that one. Mm, I I got that on Audible. I can (laughs) tell you read it because some of the ideas that you're you're saying, they're his ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, Frederick Douglass's autobiography is another one that really will shape, Mm. like it is shaped the way I have thought about race and politics and all the above um i just want to encourage people who are listening you know the average american is reading one book a year read three or four and you're ahead of the game and it's not difficult shut the tv off Mm -hmm. read a couple books listen to audio books people don't play with their netflix (laughs) but but it'll you're right it'll change your life 
Yes. Um, I, I can I can just speak to that. I mean, God God can do amazing things. Uh, you start reading, he'll really start. That's great. You're like you. Will Hunting, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're like good without, Will Hunting. Without yeah. the math, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love your story. I do. I mean, I, I, I'm blessed by it and uh you're courageous um you've got uh, bigger guts that's not normally what i say but since i have a lady in the house you have bigger <laughs> guts you have bigger guts than uh, most people for stepping up into a position right now i, I i've said this a million times you couldn't pay me a million dollars a week to be in politics yeah. like just i'd, I'd I, uh, you know, I, I would get angry. I would get mad. You know, it wouldn't be the good godly side of me. Um, but I am impressed by you. I thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, stepping up for uh, it's our children. Yes. It's not. It's not a prestigious position that you're taking. Oh. Um, but it can be a powerful one in the way that it changes our children. And I appreciate that. And I thank you for that. So yeah. tell me. Tell 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 the listeners right now. You're platform that you're kind of you know tomorrow we'll know that you ran on and that um, you know got you into that board seat and that you're yeah. going to help us get past that that craziness of this sexualizing our children and indoctrinating our children and um, you know putting stuff in the library that shouldn't be there like yeah. what 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 is it that you tell people that you're running on Ooh, so I, I put on there I mean I'm, I'm very proud that my values and visions are conservative mm -hmm. um I, my the basis of it is getting back to academics just right. basic math and reading and science and just the basics like we 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 stop all the other things right you know and then if you're going to if you're going to talk about it if you're going to have an extra class so talking about race at least give them a diverse perspective don't have right. a one-sided narrative uh, teach them Allow them to know how to think and come to their own conclusions, again, based on their fam mm -hmm. family values. Stop sending out these surveys where you're asking all these questions and trying to get to know what's happening in the house. So really, it's like stick to and academics. And there's nothing wrong with saying we screwed up. Yes. Okay, but we don't, we don't have to go 250 years later and still fight over this. Yes, and then and like. stop cherry-picking data to right. support what you wanted to say. Right. You want to talk about slavery or after slavery? Why don't you talk about the time between the, the slaves being free and the civil rights movement right. where you have the Booker T. Washington's building universities right. and, you know, Preach. I'm going to teach my people right. to, you know, assimilate into society. And we have to talk about cleanliness and godliness and education. And why don't we talk about how we thrived at that point? You choose what you want to support the narrative. So for me, it's like you're doing it so wrong. Just don't do it. Right. Just don't do it. Just get back to academics and transparency. And That's again, good. building that bridge. I want to be the bridge. We cannot move forward divided. Mm -hmm. The parents hate the teachers. Your kids still have to be in the classroom with them. Right. It, we can't be fighting the district if we want to move forward. So we have to figure out how, as individuals, how do we show up? How do you talk to your teacher in a different manner than you have been? Don't right. send that IRA email. Like we have to be that example right. every day. So it's it's really all about just getting back to the basics, making sure that map to those scores are going up. They are ready to compete in a global economy. They're ready to build the foundation of their lives and that we don't we don't we don't get into our personal beliefs in school. You just you just you love everybody. Right. You don't separate them into groups, the black kids and the gay kids and these kids. Like, no, they're kids. 
Love right. them as kids and teach them the academics and let the family teach them the values. Mm, that's good. Yeah, that's it. I just want to be the bridge. I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight Rockwood. I don't want to fight the teachers. I want to be the bridge. I w- we got to start talking to each other where we listen for understanding. Right. I want to understand how you became that person. I'm very good at that. Right, yeah. <laughs> I want to understand did, did. how you got that's to that good. point because I was them. I, I, was, I was that person. I used to go to work late, not do what I needed to do, and then call my boss racist. I was, I was you. I know, I know what you. So I want to understand how you got to that point. And then I'm gonna kind of give you how I changed and you know got my eyes open to the reality of things. So I just want, I want us to get back. If if we can't do anything else, just be good people. That's great. That's that's simple. That's good. Yeah. Awesome. So how can people um, follow you? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at she is Jessica Laurent. That's L A U R E N T. I am also on Facebook under Jessica Laurent. You can see the campaign page at jessicaforrockwood.com, but you know, that won't be up that much longer. Um, but yeah, my social media okay. is always open. I welcome just slide into that DM. Like I love, I love talking to people. Um, okay. yeah, we're going to, you know, I'm not sure what the future holds, but it's going to be amazing. Amen. I know that for sure. I'm, you know, it's, so- so I was going to ask the future. So worst case scenario, things don't go your way tomorrow. What's the plan then? Um, not sure. I, I okay. listen for directions. Okay. I, I learned Good. to stop planning because that's of me. Good for and you. And that's of my own mind. And I'm never, I never have the idea. It's Amen. already laid out. Okay. So I can't tell you what it is, but I, I really hope wait. that people come around to witness whatever's happening. Sovereignty of God. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I love it. Jessica, yeah. can love you spell? I mean, not everyone's going to have uh, the Facebook pulled up. Can you spell your last name for everybody? Yes. Laurent. L-A-U-R-E-N-T. Beautiful. Thank you. That's going to help out everybody listening. On and if so you are looking for you know me on the campaign, it is my legal name. Laurent is a brand, so you'll see it at Jessica Clark. Jessica Clark on okay. the ballot. Oh, right. that's okay. a good. That's a good. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. Yeah, we need yeah. to know that Jessica yeah. Clark or yeah. Jess Clark, number mm-hmm. three and four. Is yep, that so Izzy is three. Izzy Emick is number three, and I am number four. All right, so we've got uh, Jessica and Izzy both running tomorrow in the Rockwood School District here in the St. Louis area, and uh, we need your votes to help them get in and and kind of just. Bring it back to civility. (laughs) It's crazy. So, um, well, I want to uh, thank you for joining us today. What time we got here, guys? About five minutes left. About five more minutes. Okay. Is there anything else that you would like to, that we didn't cover uh, the next five minutes? Like, Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just enjoying my life. I'm enjoying (laughs) being a mom. Um, I do have, I got two podcasts um, and a radio show. Um, the one is the Jessica Laurent show, which is about, you know, diversifying the black narrative. So, you know, we, we typically move as a monolith. We okay. talk the same. We have the same culture, anything. I remember being a kid and being called, I, I would say, oh, you talk white because I spoke proper English. And so just saying, like, that's not, that doesn't, that's not white. Like, my sister would say, you eat white people food. I'm like, what? It's just food. That's like, so, so it's <laughs> funny that you say that because my little kids are, um, they, we first got them. They were 16 months old, and I'll never forget our first trip to Six Flags. It was maybe a week after we got them. And my daughter has the curliest hair in the world. Like, I'm talking, it is curly. Mm-hmm. Like, it is really curly. And we had no clue what to do. Like, how? Like my sons, I just high and tight. Zip, of zip, course. Zip, you know, yeah. I, just, I just take it yeah. high and tight. We were asking every black family that we could find. <laughs> you know, you were talking about culture differences. <laughs> and so thing. I was like, at, we were Excuse literally me. stop at Six Flags. 
and we'd see their little girl's hair and these beautiful braids mm-hmm. and these beads all over it. And like, where did you get that done? And so um, that had happened a few times. Like we when, And we actually got on a website called um, uh, Chocolate Hair with Vanilla Care is the name <laughs> of that is so funny is the name of the website and so we're on this website and we're literally meeting people and have you know who's your braid and they'd say oh yeah. well we live down here and we live over here and finally we met this young lady um at eureka days one time nice. and uh just she she did hair mm-hmm. and so she's telling us all about it and she does this well a, a year went by and all of a sudden my wife recognizes her she's the amazon driver pulling up in our driveway and she lives in in downtown st louis well ever since then that was she was my daughter's probably two or three years old at the time so every since then we have become friends with them and they come she comes over all the time and does our daughter's hair and you know just to be able to that wouldn't have happened if i hadn't if i didn't have black kids yeah and um we do live in a relatively white well i shouldn't say relatively it is a white community uh and so we without knowing it uh and i'm a pastor of a church like it's not it's not something that we want to happen but it just happens this separation or the segregation if you will of of places mm-hmm. and it's not even necessarily people right you know what i'm saying yeah. like it's just it is. for whatever reason we 